Hey everybody, this week's podcast is brought to you by DirecTV. Not many people know this, but when MMA was rising from the dead, DirecTV was one of the first providers to air both Pride FC and UFC. Cable-crushing deals starting at $29.99, huge discount. If you visit thedreamingleapro.com and click the link. And if you aren't allergic to parties, sign up and start saving money today with DirecTV. Now with Dream Elite Podcast, starring Max, Adam, Brandon, and myself. Welcome to Dream Elite Radio. This weather, though. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, everybody. Boys and girls, children of all ages, thank you so much for joining us once again for another edition of the podcast. And, of course, the, the co-hosts. Can't forget them. First, the MMA genius with a 50-foot... You know what I'm talking about. It's going to be that! Ah! Of the How you doing, man? Yeah, I didn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Great introduction, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm doing well, buddy. What's up, How are you? And, um, of course, Brandon, the, the great fighter out of Brooklyn MMA, an incredible school with incredible people. Unfortunately, he cannot make it. But we got a suitable replacement and uh, MMA journalist, one of the most thoughtful people on the planet, one of the best people to talk about this sport and this beautiful sport is a beautiful person in John, 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 John. I got brides in the London. <laughs> What's going on, John? Hey, it's good to be back. Um, thank you for having me again. Before uh, you introduce Adam, um, I just wanted to, I know we saved this for the end, but quick shout out to my aunt. She passed away last week. I just wanted to dedicate this appearance. And, you know, today's show to her. Shout out to Aunt Carrie. Love you. Hey, Aunt Carrie. God bless shout you. I'm glad you are here. Aunt Carrie. Beautiful person. Hey, God bless you, John. Thank you. Yeah, John, thank you so much for coming on. And, you know, rest in peace to her. And, um, of course, uh, he's five pounds lighter, ladies and gentlemen. He is not drunk this episode. He is the great Hollywood Adam. Hogan, Hogan, we're coming for you. What's up, Adam? What up, bro? <laughs> What's going on, brother? How you doing? How you feel? You're five pounds lighter. You're looking great. How you feel, man? I feel good. I feel good, man. That entrance always gets me. It's funny. The Hulk Hogan part. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. That was like the best part of the WCW days. Like that was literally the highlight of how like they just screwed up. They're just notorious for screwing up. But um, Adam, thank you so much for coming on again, boys and girls, children of all ages. By the way. Quick shout-out to MMA Destruction Podcast, who is also going to be airing at 10 a.m. 10 p.m. Central. They're also getting bodybuilders on there. If you want to swing by there and listen to them, Don McGuire, Dustin Hill, good people. But we're going to be talking about pro wrestling, MMA, boxing, all that fun stuff. Joe Soto is going to be coming on in 15 minutes. Can't wait. But uh, so much stuff to talk about, guys. Uh, John, fight night on Ottawa. How amazing was that card? John, what do you think? Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to catch the entire card. I heard great things about it. Um, I did see the main event where, uh, some people might have said it was a boring fight, but 
I thought it was a bit of like a technical masterpiece on Wonder Boy's part. He uh, he came in, he in, implemented a, a great strategy, strategy against the arguably number one welterweight in the world, you know, if you're going by the rankings, champion number one. But, yeah, it was an amazing, you know, showcase fight for uh, Wonder Boy. And, and then in the co-main event, uh, but, um, Cowboy Cerrone, he, he really showcased himself as a, a real welterweight. I mean, Patrick Cote has been on a tear. He reinvented himself, and, and Cerrone just came in there, just dominated from bell to bell until he got the finish. It was really a remarkable performance. Yeah. Max, what do you think? Wow, what a card. It was it was a great card. Um, from top to bottom, it was actually a sleeper card. There was a lot of sleeper fights. Um, shout out to Steve Bosse with like the, the one of the craziest lightweight fights. He was out in the first round, but like Hendo, he gets back up. So <laughs> like it, it, it was it was it was crazy. The McDonald fight, like Rory, he went in there. He said he felt as, as good as he's ever felt. No excuses. And um, Wonder Boy was just on another level. I've never seen anybody do this to Rory McDonald. Um, like John said, he is arguably the number one fight, uh, welterweight on the planet right now. And, um, yeah, the, he just went out there and just took him apart. He, Rory McDonald got Rory McDonald. Uh, but he'll be back, and he'll learn from his mistakes, and he'll, he'll, be, he'll be better. But at uh, co-main event, though, Donald Cerrone at 170, man, he's like the hybrid. He's like the hybrid 155, 170 fighter. He looks so much better at 170. He wasn't as big as Cote, but that speed advantage he had really shows, especially with his kicks. Um, Cote was like a deer in the headlights out there, and you don't really see him that much, especially as veteran as Cote has. It, it was all in all a good fight, and go shoot him for Donald Cerrone. Yeah, man. And Max, people don't fucking realize this, but... Patrick Cote, he, he fought, the first time I've seen him was in 2004 when he was fighting Tito Ortiz. Like, he fought 205 exactly. and did not, yeah, man. So, like, Adam, he, I'm sure you were watching the card, you were critiquing, you're the biggest critic of all. What did you think about this fight night, this card? I mean, I, I feel like they, they already went over, you know, those two cards, but I want to give uh, a person that I gained a lot of respect for that night, um, well, two people, Cerrone I gained a lot of respect for. Um, you know, he just looked amazing. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like his, his boxing looked sharp. He just looked, he looked good everywhere. And also, uh, Joanna Calderwood came out and looked like a fucking monster. Um, so she deserves a, a lot of respect. I heard she's getting a new contract for that. They gave her an extra bonus on the side. Um, so you know, I think a lot of people kind of sleep on that one because the last two fights were so entertaining. But Joanna Calderwood definitely looked sharp and, you know, argue arguable for a bonus. And that uh, Steve Bossy fight was also pretty fucking insane. Yeah, man. And Joanna, uh, yeah. obviously, you know, she she definitely needs to get a different contract, especially because she was in the Ultimate Fighter, one of my favorite seasons. She did an incredible performance in that season. Uh, she's been fighting incredible fight every single time. She's been going out of there, and she's she's been impressive every single time she goes in the octagon. She definitely gets to, has to get a contract renewal. But, like, what, what blows my mind, too, is Roy McDonald losing. And I, I don't know why it bothers hold me on, so hold much. On. Yeah. Hold on. It's funny because let's also, like, in that Joanna Calderwood fight, me and, me and John were making fun of her because I think she hurt her with, like, a body kick. And then she ran up and, like, kneed her in the ass and then gave her a spinning back fist at the same time. Yeah. Like, it was just fucking... You remember that time? It was crazy. Yeah, yeah it, it was a vicious running knee to the ass. And <laughs> arguably the fight should have stopped 
that it should have been stopped from there. You know, like yeah. she, had her, she had her back. In a serious note, she did turn her back. That's usually the international sign of the fight's over when you give up on her back, you know? And sure. then she does a charging knee. Right to that. <laughs> Devastating. She's going to, like, Valerie Latono is going to remember that. She's not going to be able to sit down for a little while. It's going to sting for a bit. Um, <laughs> I mean, just, to, just to, to talk about the fight quickly, um, I did catch that fight along with the co-main and the main. And JoJo really showed that, that she's on an, another level now. She she had dominant striking against a, a woman who was just coming off a title fight. And arguably, you could say it's due to the fact that she didn't have to cut down to one, uh, yeah, one fifteen. This was an unofficial uh, flyweight fight for the for women. And should they open up this division? You know, some of these girls are sucking down to weight classes they shouldn't be in, and 125 might be the home for them. Yeah, oh, for sure. Good job. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on one second. Didn't they do, like, things to, like, IVs? They eliminated that. They eliminated, like, all type of weight cuts. They have, like, new, like, hydration tests. Like, I thought they eliminated this problem, though. Yeah, yeah, no, no. They eliminated certain tactics to cut down. But some people are still going to hit the saunas. They're going to wear suits. They're going to saran wrap their bodies and drain out every ounce of possible water they can get out of themselves to make a certain weight class. And there's a gap for the women's division between 115 and 135. It's like, why did yeah. they skip the, the flyweight division? And we had, a, for some reason, I don't know why they decided to give this bout, you know, the, the flyweight, you know, weight class, but they did. And we got the best JoJo we ever seen in the UFC. So maybe, you know, maybe with the camp, she was training in, in TriStar, but I think it also plays into the fact she didn't have to cut that additional 10 pounds. And arguably, they should just open up this division. I know they don't want to take all the talent from Invicta, but, you know, the UFC is the big show, and if they open up that weight class, we're going to get the top, you know, fighters from Invicta, and we're going to when we see great performances from certain women. Some girls will drop down from 135 to 125. Some girls will move up from 115 to 125. I think it'll be a yeah. great division, and uh, we'll we'll see some great performances. I definitely Fairly agree with John. I definitely agree with John because um, Joanna actually came out today and said that um, after she, you know knowing her, you know she believes she's gonna be Godella. So she's like, after she beats Godella, it's gonna she's gonna go straight to 125. So she's gonna probably you know push the case for a title to be open at 125 and possibly have two titles. You never know. Yeah, yeah. And Adam, what was Adam? I, I just have to know, man, because uh, you and I are both fight nerds. We we both like the big names. Uh, Roy McDonald, because that's so shocking. You guys are talking about other shit, but like, I'm still shocked that Roy McDonald, who was called the the heir to the throne, the the next GSP, Roy McDonald losing by unanimous decision. Uh, a a decision that obviously you know was it was pretty much uh, undisputed. Were you as shocked as I was that Roy McDonald came out there and he fought the way he did, and the guy who was supposed to be the golden boy next to GSP, he lost? I mean, it, it was really confusing to me, man, because Rory's a really good fighter, but he went out there and didn't, I don't know, he didn't, he didn't fight how I expected him, how I expected him to fight. You know, I thought he was going to come out, thought he was going to like a real, you know, like a real mixed martial artist and just kind of 
do things in a different way, you know, mix things up a little better, um, you know, mix up the striking with the takedowns to confuse them a little better. One of the things that I was asking myself the whole fight is why aren't they, or why hasn't anybody tried to attack that lead leg, whichever one's the lead leg for um, on Wonderboy? You know what I mean? It's clear that the the, the reason why he's beating it everybody is because he's so fast and kind of like a Mayweather in a way where he just gets out of the way and counter punches you and, and just harasses you when you're not trying to come after him. So it's like, why isn't anybody trying to attack that lead leg, destroy it up so he can't move so much? Why isn't anybody mixing in their wrestling a little bit better? I don't think that he's unbeatable, but I don't see him, I don't see Robbie Lawler having the technique to beat him. So, yeah, I mean, the Rory loss, it wasn't super surprising, but it was confusing because I think, you know, me, probably some others thought he could have done a lot better in that fight if he just mixed it up a little bit and was a little more unpredictable. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree with you. Uh, Max, you had you have uh, an assessment of that fight. What did you think about it? Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree with Adam. A lot of people have to start attacking that lead leg. I know it sounds easier than it is, but um, I know he has probably a lot of the tricks of the trade for that, um, especially adapted to MMA. He's coming from point karate, so, so you know, he has to adapt for that. But um, if people do, you know, start attacking that lead leg and taking that bounce out really early, a hard kicker, um, some, somebody who could chop him down, uh, or somebody who's a grinder. Because look at Matt Brown. Matt Brown took him to the third round and, and grinded him. I mean, vicious elbows cut him up, and he was the only person in the UFC to beat him. And that round is isn't the world beater he used to be. But I mean, he he's a he's a great fighter. But if somebody like Matt Brown could defeat him, he isn't you know unde- un- undefeatable. So. Yeah, uh, the lead leg is definitely has to be attacked. Uh, Wrestling-wise, he's getting really strong in his wrestling. He's been wrestling with Chris Weidman and, um, you know, defending takedowns. He's defending against um, and then, uh, Hendricks uh, with ease. So his wrestling is definitely there now. I definitely would like to see more pressure on that lead leg, though. Awesome. Okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, we were talking about uh, fight night in Ottawa, and a guy who got his first – he got his win – Against it, it was an incredible performance. He beat Chris Beal by submission, rear naked choke. He was also a new black belt, and he is the first Bellator featherweight champion. And he's also an incredible fighter, an incredible guy. Ladies and gentlemen, one bad mofo, Joe Soto. Hey, Joe, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Just a uh, long day driving to NorCal, uh, NorCal, California. Just getting here to Santa Rosa. Uh, Six-hour drive. About to pull up to the gym right now, and once we get down with you guys, and we can jump in there and get some rolls in with Dave, Terrell, and all the guys. Awesome, awesome, man. Hey, thank you so much for coming on, taking time out of your busy schedule. By the way, congratulations on your win against Chris Beal. It's it's been a long road. For you. It's been a long road for you. And I have such an appreciation for your career because not only season one Bellator, you won the featherweight title. You're now in the UFC. You're a prominent member of the UFC. A a, a threat to anybody you fight. But uh, more importantly, because you've accomplished so much in such a limited amount of time, what was more important than you, to you? Uh, was it winning the Bellator uh, world title or was it making it to the UFC, in your personal opinion? Uh, I think, I mean, now the Bellator, you know, it's a big deal, but um, the goal was always to gain the UFC for me. That Before, you know, I even, before Bellator was even on the map or, <laughs> before I knew anything about Bellator, you know, when I was a kid, 
Uh, I was with my uncle. We'd be watching the UFCs, you know, when people weren't watching it back then on on a pay per view. Um, so the book that was always the main goal, and, that's, and I think that's the biggest. Uh, I don't know if it's the biggest accomplishment now, but you know, for me, I guess personally, uh, that's probably, that's a pretty pretty big one. You know, uh, getting yeah. that win and just just fighting in the cage, just climbing in the cage. You, know, you see it when you're a kid. Like I want to be there one day, and you are there. And, you know, it's just surreal. It's crazy. Yeah, and and your career has created a beautiful family. You have an amazing, uh, amazing child. You're creating such a wonderful life for yourself from this MMA career, following your passion. Um, you have humble, humble beginnings, too. You, you started out in college, and you actually were a very, very good wrestler. And uh, you also wrestled with John Jones, and you wrestled with Cain Velasquez. Did, did, was the game plan even back then to get into UFC? Because it's very ironic that all three of you, became such high-profile people in the UFC. Was that always the game plan for all three of you guys, just one of you guys? Was that always the goal, even when you were wrestling? Uh, for me, I, I, you know, uh, I kind of always want, that was always the goal for me, to try to make it there, just to fight in MMA and, and to do good. Uh, I think John, once we got into college, he started uh, getting into it more. And uh, he was, like, with the townies in Iowa, he uh he would train with them and he kind of got into it and uh I think that was kind of you know but for me I, I'm not sure about John but for me yeah it was always a goal and I think John got into it in college like I said and, and you know after after college I think he pursued it and yeah it's crazy how you know how we did so good yeah yeah absolutely John I'll pass it over to you John hey uh, Joe thank you for uh, coming on the show and congrats on that that UFC win. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. I mean, you have had one of the, the toughest UFC careers. I mean, coming in, <laughs> one day's notice, championship fight. Um, it's amazing what you've done in your career. Um, my my question is a little bit backtracking on your career. You you competed in Bellator. You're the first featherweight champion. Um, how uh, you, you constantly hear negative things about Bjorn Redney. I just want to know, how was your experience with Bjorn, and how can you compare it to the UFC? Like, Dana White, he's the, the, the figurehead. You had Bjorn back in the day. How, how, how has your experience been in both of the biggest promotions in, uh, in America? Yeah, well, Bjorn was always nice to me. After I beat uh, Wilson Hayes, uh, in the semifinals, he came up to me, you know, and he was really cool. He was always nice to me in person. Um, I'm not sure, like, there was a time where, like, I was trying to get a fight with them, and 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 they kind of tried to do like a contract, regard, like, a new contract with me. They're trying to give me a new contract for less money, you know, after I lost a couple fights. So, um, and then I was gonna try to get a fight with them, but it just wasn't working. I'm not sure, like, the details of it, because it was my manager was handling it. So, um, but as far as like the experience, I feel like for me, like, cause I've been around the Bellator with other fighters, you know, fighting in that promotion too. For me, uh, the UFC, it was just, um, it was just a little bit like the people were a little bit more friendly. Um, it was just a little bit more classier, um, show. I don't know. I think, I feel like I got treated a little bit better in the UFC, um, but you know, uh, I wasn't around for, you know, Scott Croker and, and this new chain, so my experience, you know, of UFC has been a little bit, for me, a little bit better. So, with uh, the UFC, you you did go on a bit of a, you know, 
a downside. You you lost a, three fights in a row, and you at any point did you feel like history was going to repeat itself? I mean, back in Bellator, you were the champion. You lost, and then you you had another fight in the Tax uh, Tachi Palace fights, I believe. Um, again, you hit another loss, and you were cut from Bellator. Did at any point did you feel like you weren't secure with the UFC, or did Dana White or Joe Silver or whoever was you know talking to you? give you some comfortability that they're going to take care of you. You're going to get another opportunity. Yeah, you know, after the, uh, I think I fought um, my uh, the kid from Japan. Um, for me, I, swear, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, kid from Japan. Tanaka, after the third, Tanaka, I believe. Tanaka, there yeah. you go. Yeah, Mishinori Tanaka. After I fought him, uh, you know, they told me uh, not to worry that they'd give me another fight. Um because they thought, I mean, I think that a lot of the people from the organization thought I, I won that fight. And uh, so after after that fight, you know, yeah, I was like, oh, man. But then my manager, right away after the fight, oh, don't worry about it. They're going to give you another another fight. So, um, but, yeah, but this fight with the Bill fight, you know, I mean, I knew it was a, a must-win fight. And um, I, was, I was nervous, you know, about it. But I thought, I always like my chances. You know, I always think, I'm a I'm a good martial artist and I could beat anybody on any given day, but you just never know. And fighting is so crazy, such a crazy sport. Um, I was just happy to come out with a victory, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Right. spectacular victory too. Got that finish, man. Excellent. Thank you. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Awesome. Max, questions for uh, Joe Soto? Is Max there? Adam, questions for Joe Soto? Yes. What's yes. up, Sorry about that. My, my phone was on mute. Sorry about that. No problem. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that, Joe. Uh, Joe, um, Joe, I've been watching you since USC. I mean, on Bellator one on ESPN, thinking the Fortes. I mean, they had it like on Spanish, yeah. and like I had to watch it. I mean, I'm not that fluent, but I mean, it taught me a little something. But a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for taking the time out, to, you know, to talk to us. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, con- congratulations on the big, the big fight and uh, against a big name and a, a big finish. Uh, how, how was your head going into the third round? Did you have it one one or how did you have it? I thought it was one one. Yeah, I thought it was one. The first round I knew it was kind of like nobody really did anything. He he kind of landed the better shots and he was moving. I thought he won that round. The second round I felt like I I, I won because like the the later part of the round I kind of had him rocked and then. I had his back and, and did some good stuff on the ground. So I thought it was 1-1. And I thought he was gassed after the second. I thought he was done. I was like, oh, man, he's done. But he came out for the third, like, really strong. And he was winning that round, you know. And um, But I thought, like, if I just kept pressuring him, pressuring him, maybe, you know, uh, I could I could finish strong. And, and, and that's what kind of happened, you know. Uh, but he definitely came hard. The, the, he was winning up to that point. You know, it was 1-1, and he was winning up to the – you know, halfway in the third, so and then I was able to get him down and, and kind of do that. But uh, yeah, I was I was thinking like I just gotta keep pushing, gotta keep pushing. I don't know. It was just like I knew he was winning, but my mind like I was just you know staying the course and just trying to put pressure and, and trying to get into good positions and try to get him down. He was tough. Oh sure, I mean yeah, I can see that. You were happy after that win for sure. Great celebration. Yeah, he, he was just uh, yeah, thanks. he was just so fast and he and he hit hard and he was just good, great movement and he had he got a lot better from like previous fights, like things he was doing, like he was throwing more of a jab, he was checking kicks, like yeah. and he was just moving more. He wasn't like brawling as much coming forward. He he, he was he he did really good that fight. That was probably one of the best fights I've 
seen him fight, you know. Oh, definitely, because he was he was he had a losing streak, so he had he was hungry. He he wanted that win. So you seen the the best Chris Beals probably ever. But um, yeah, he took him out so. Uh, with that big um, that rear naked choke. After, after that rear naked choke, a few days ago, you got your black belt. How does it feel to be a black belt under David Terrell? Oh man, it's uh, it's it's crazy. It's uh, surreal. Like like I said, um, you know, just to get your black belt is, is an amazing accomplishment. But under Dave Terrell is like even crazier because the guy's a legend in in, in BJJ and and he's yeah, only had sure. given up. I'm only a third black belt, you know. And the other two guys, they were with him for like 15 years. So. Um, it's just, it's a, he don't give them out, you know. It's, it's hard to get a black belt for him. So, it's it's still it's still sinking in, you know. It's still like wow, like I have it right there on my dress, and I'm think I'm like looking at the thing. I'm like wow, that's that's a great accomplishment. It's one of the biggest accomplishments of my life. Wow! Congrats on the big win in the belt. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Very cool. Adam, two questions for the champ, and then we gotta get them off. Hey, what's up, Joe? What's going on, bro? Nothing much, man. Nothing much. So listen, I, I always have to ask about money and, and negotiation and stuff like that. It's just kind of my shtick. So one mm-hmm. of my questions is something that I find really interesting is when you came into that fight, you were originally supposed to fight somebody uh, earlier on the card, uh, and they told you, I, I'm, I'm assuming very last minute, that you're going to come in and fight T.J. Dillashaw. How does that negotiation work? Do, do you send your manager in there? Are you asking for a bump on the pay since you're fighting in the main event? How exactly did that all that whole thing break down? Yeah, so when they when they um they offered me the fight, I said yes right away. You know, I was like, yeah, 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 I'll take it, blah blah. blah. And then um, and I was like, I was like, um, what did I say? I was like, oh shit, I don't know if I could, because because there was another pound I had to lose. You know, I was 36 and it was a title fight, so I had to drop another pound, and it was only an hour. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I can make it. And they're like, can you make it? And I said, all right, yeah, I can make it. Though. We got to know. And, I, and then I took a fight, but then I was like, hold on, hold on. I was like, what's the pay going to be? And as I said that, my manager walked up too, and they kind of talked about it. And, and he was like, yeah, what, what are, what's the pay going to be? And they were like, you know, we'll, we'll bump it up to 20 and 20. And, uh, you know what I mean? So that, that's what, there you go. How about 20 and 20? How's that sound? I was like, I was like, that sounds really good to me. So that's kind of how that went. So it went down pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you know, you know that you're gonna get a bonus, and I end up getting you know a, a backroom bonus, you know, and um, so that was cool too later on. Um, and you know, yeah, that's my manager. Like you, kind of know that if you take something like that, they're gonna they're gonna send you something in the mail, and they did. So they took care of me pretty good. That's pretty sick, man. Because I, I feel like a, you know, especially in the news lately, there's there's been kind of people complaining about their contracts, and there's been disputes and, and money and all this stuff. So it's pretty cool that that went down pretty effortlessly between you guys. Yeah, you know, and I, I even I got a call from Dana White like um, probably a couple a week, probably a week after the fight, or maybe it was two weeks, or probably a week. And he just called me and just you know checking up on me because you know I did get knocked out, so he was just checking up. Hey, how you doing? And he said, you know, we're gonna send you this bonus. How's that sound? I said, yeah, it sounds good. And it was pretty cool to get a call from him, you know, just to check up on me and. Um, it was cool, you know, Dana White calling me, so I saved his number under Dana White. And I was thinking about texting him some weird pictures, but I don't want to get mad at him. <laughs> that's pretty awesome, man. I mean, that, that's, that's when we got to get that little, like, good guy Dana White face. Where I feel like a lot of people, you know, I mean, there's there's people on both sides that like him, don't like him. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I guess every experience is different. You're gonna have some good experiences, bad experiences with people. But I mean, I mean, my from my experience, he's been he's been cool. Like I said, every, the UFC's been really cool with me from my experience. Um, you know, so yeah, that's awesome. And then I guess my last question is, you know, coming in and and right away getting into a main event spot, you know, in your mind where you're like, all right. You know that was my that was my chance, and I, I kind of want to start over. You know, in the undercard, or were you kind of like, you know, maybe I should be one of the higher up guys now. You know, because I came in, I, I fought a champ. You know, maybe I should be a little higher up on the card. Maybe I'll main event again or co-main. Or were you okay with kind of just being like, you know what, I don't mind fighting a little earlier on the card? How did that work? Yeah, um, yeah, it was cool. You know, like I mean, yeah, you want to fight the top guys after that. You know, you have good performance. You want to fight fight the top guys like. I want to fight the top 10 guys, but then you're kind of, your managers talk to you too. They're like, yeah, you could, but, or you could like start from the bottom, work your way up and work your pay up. So when you do fight top 10 guys, you're getting more money. You know what I mean? And not just yeah, fighting them for like whatever your contract is right now. Like let's, let's build you, build your pay up. So when you do have to fight all these top 10 guys, you're making more money and, and it kind of makes sense too. So I was like, yeah, you know what I mean? So build, build yourself up a little bit better and, and, and build your pay up. And, and that made sense. So. Yeah, that that makes that makes total sense. I mean, thank you for kind of giving us that insight, you know, because we're on the outside, we don't really know yeah the little details well, no, and interactions. Like, no, because like yeah, like like for me too, like I, I didn't I didn't think about it. I was like, yeah, this I want to fight a top ten guy right now, and they're like, wait a minute, they're like, let's let's build your pay up, buddy, and then and then because if you fight a top ten guy, you beat another a, a top ten guy, that's all you're gonna get, and your pay is it's low right now, you know what I mean? Let's. It's build your, yeah, it's build like, your pay up, so it makes better sense. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. But a fighter, you know, a fighter, you want to, you want to fight the best, you want to be up there, you know. So yeah, man, thank you, man. Awesome, yeah, no problem. Hey, Joe, Joe, you're you're so awesome. You're so humble. You're you're the coolest cat in the game. Um, you're hilarious on Facebook and social media. Uh, follow him <laughs> on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter. You're just you're the cat to dim, man. And you've accomplished so much. Um, do you have any people you want to shout out before we let you go, go back to your busy day? Do you have any uh, sponsors you want to shout out, any websites, anybody you want to plug? Uh, the floor is yours, man. I just want to, you know, thank everybody from Porterville, my team from Porterville, you know, Central Valley Combat Academy. I have to thank uh, Dave Terrell and the North Carolina Fight Alliance and uh, Team Oyama down in Irvine. I just want to thank all the coaches. Everybody has helped me. And I thank all the fans for enjoying my fights and, and, and trying to support. And thank you guys Very for having cool. me on. All right, awesome. Joe, thank you so much. One bad mofo, Joe Soto. Thank you so much, brother. All right, thanks, man. I'll talk to you guys later. Later, Joe. Take it easy, bro. See ya. Take care, Joe. All right. Later. One bad mofo, Joe Soto, ladies and gentlemen. Fucking awesome. Wow. (laughs) John, what do you think? Real cool guy. John, what do you think? Yo, he he was a cool man. He was was straight to the point. He gave us very precise answers. I, I really appreciated his honesty. Um, I would have loved if he called out some some bantamweight on our show, like yo Brian Carraway, let's get it done. You know, it would have been dope. But <laughs> other than that, yeah, it, it was really cool, man, having him on. Yeah, but you, Joe's Joe's always gonna be in the in the hunt. I mean, he's the first ever featherweight fucking champion of Bellator. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And plus, he. Absolutely, man. I, I, me, I was just being selfish. I would have loved that sound by saying like Dream Elite got Joe Soto's call out to so and so. You know, I, I just wanted that next, that next little aspect of boost our ratings. 
Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. I think Brian Callaway will be in his future. I, I think it's, it's in his bucket list. And I, yo, Max, so what did you think about Joe? I mean, Joe is chill as, like, he gave us so much insight on the sport, so much insight in the game, especially pay, too, which I'm going to touch on Adam. But, like, Max, what did you think about Joe Soto? And you watched him for so many years. So what did you think? Oh, Joe's the man. Joe's the man. I remember watching him. I mean, he was the featherweight champion. I remember him watching the loss, unfortunately, against Joe Warren. He was out there styling on him, man. If I was him, I would be asking for a rematch. Even though, you know, not the same weight class, that would be a grudge match I would want to have over again any time in history. But, um, yeah, Joe Soto, he's really cool, man. Real cool guy. Um, Seemed really humble and uh, really broke it down to us. So, shout out to Joe Soto. Awesome. And Max, I mean uh, Adam, you're very rarely impressed. It, it doesn't take a lot to impress. It ta- takes a lot to impress you. So, uh, as far as his response about pay, comparison to the other people that have come on the show and talked about pay, what, what, what do you think about his response and his response towards the uh, the business side of things for uh, for Joe Soto? You know, I think that everybody's really honest. You know, when we ask them that question, which is which is really cool. You know, because. They could potentially get in trouble for talking too much about the details and what they're being paid and all that shit. So I think it's cool, man. I think everybody that we spoke to, and you know I always ask the money question, everybody kind of is just really straightforward. Like, yeah, I got paid this much. Um, It's cool right now. I'm not very happy. You know, whatever the answer is, the answer is. But I found the most interesting thing was, you know, without even kind of asking that, was what we found out a little bit about Dana White's character, you know? Yeah, yeah. It It blows my mind. Yeah, it sounds like when he says he's going to take care of you, he's going to take care of you. He'll call you out, let you know, reaffirm you. You're getting that bonus. Thanks for that favor. You know what I mean? Because we've all had bosses in our past that it's like, yo, work this day, and I, and I got you. You know, I, I, when I worked at the UFC gym in Brooklyn, actually, give them a little shout-out, I had a boss that was like, listen, I need you to work New Year's Day for me, and I got you. And I was like, all right, no doubt. And I worked New Year's Day, and he never got me. I never got it. I didn't even get I didn't even get time and a half for that day. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? What were, so, Adam, what were, Adam, what were you doing then, fucking gym? Were you doing like boxer robots and like like jumping jacks and shit with like old ladies? No, like, I was, were you, or, or, was or were you just smashing like mad random Spanish chicks? <laughs> I, was, I was dabbling, but I was actually one of the top salespeople in in the whole country. Um, the well, UFC the whole gym. country. Yeah, the wherever they were. There was some in Cali, there was some in Jersey, but they would send us a report every month of the top like, sales like people. If, always, if this was rankings, where would you be? Would you be champion? Would I'd you be, be number five. five? I was always top Adam. five. Yeah. Adam, I, I do have a question about that. Adam, big question. Okay, yeah. so what exactly were you selling? Like, were you selling your selling like memberships, or were you selling your body to forty-five-year-old women who husbands yeah. work? Like, what exactly were you selling? I was selling mm-hmm. anything that would make me money. So I was selling personal <laughs> uh, training, um, and occasionally I'd uh, I'd do some private training here and there. If that's what you Hollywood Adam, baby. Hollywood Adam. You can't <laughs> fuck with Hollywood Adam, baby. Nope. But yeah, <laughs> to finish my response. You know, I have I have respect for Dana White. You know, I I, I like when when people say something and they do it. Uh, you know, I've had experiences with bosses in the past that said they were going to do something and just never come around. And Dana White's definitely in a position to be that kind of jerk, and it, it's cool that he took care of Joe Soto like that. Yeah, awesome. I mean, Dana White. Dana White seems like a very emotional guy. He'll he'll stick to his word, but from like 
outsider's perspective, he seems like a guy who stick to his word, but he'll be emotional. You know, like he'll do what he says he will do, but if you fuck with him, he'll he'll turn around. Yeah, and I I think also that Dana White. You know, I think on the largest theme, of what a lot of fighters have problems with him with is that they'll be like, yeah, you're going to get the next title fight, and they don't. And I think because Dana White, he's just always going to do what's best for business. So, like, you know, Frankie knocked out uh, Chad Mendes, and he promised Frankie, yo, you're Connor's next fight. But it just so happened what's best for business, what's the bigger fight is to have Connor fight Dosanio. So Frankie got skipped over. And I think that happens a lot. And, you know, I think that's something that, you know, you can't really take his word for something like that because if something else that's hotter comes up and it's going to sell more tickets, he's going to go with that every time. You know what I mean? Honestly, for, for that specific example, though, I think Connor probably swayed his opinion. Connor was more about, like, this is the money fight. I want to break more records. I want to be the first UFC fighter to hold uh, two different belts in two different divisions. And Connor has been bringing numbers in consistently. And Connor fights every three months, you know, every every four months. So when, when Connor brings in those numbers, it's hard to say no to him. Yeah, that's very true. But that's true as well. And it's also like it's kind of it's a little bit obvious that you got champ versus champ. I think you know Frankie has a, a large fan base, but I still think champ versus champ is the bigger fight. And it's like um, I mean, like right now with Bisping, everybody wants to fight Bisping right now, and I can see him giving a, a huge fuck you to, like, Jacare and Rockhold and, and Weidman, and I could see him giving a fucking title fight to Dan Henderson because it's going to be interesting. It's going to sell Or, or, or GSP. GSP is in the oh, running yeah. also. Exactly. I could see him skipping all those guys, let GSP come out of, like, three years of retirement and getting a fucking title fight because it's best for business. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's rare that we see a legitimate super fight. Conor McGregor versus Dos Anjos. Two champions holding their belts, you know, consecutively fighting each other. That's rare. I, I can only think of one other instance, and that's when BJ Penn went up and fought GSP as the lightweight champion. Um, yeah. GSP coming back and fighting the middleweight champion, GSP's never technically lost his belt. So if he, he's kind of like the uncrowned welterweight champion coming up and fighting for a belt. That's a, a legitimate super fight, and it, it's rare, and, and to have that happen, that's definitely the money fight to make. That's definitely the fan service you'll get in making that fight, and it's hard to dispute not making fights like those. Well, on, with all due respect, my friend, I, I think GSP did get his ass handed to him by Johnny Hendricks, and I scored it. I scored it uh, three rounds to two for Johnny Hendricks that fight. So I think he technically and in, in sy- symbolically lost the belt, maybe you know, like yeah, I, I think GSP te- technically technically he won because. Technically, the judges gave it to him. I mean, you could have, you know, what you perceived as the victory to, to Hendricks, but literally and technically, the judges gave it to GSP. He has the W in his record. He took a sabbatical as champion, you know, for, what was it, two years now? So, you know, he, he, never, he hasn't lost since Sarah, basically. Right. I'd like to... I kind of like uh, Conor McGregor fighting uh, Floyd Mayweather. I mean, me, me and Adam were talking about that pipe dream the, the day it was announced, and we got so excited. We were like two kids at two kids at a Justin Bieber concert. I mean, we were pretty excited about that. I, I, I still want to see Conor McGregor fight fucking Conor uh, Floyd Mayweather. I, I want to see that McGregor versus Mayweather. I don't know why. I think this is fan service, but like I really like that fight. I, I have no idea why. Am I crazy? I mean, I honestly, that's 
that's just a money fight for McGregor and Mayweather. McGregor, he has a puncher's chance, but Mayweather has fought way more talented boxers than McGregor. McGregor has power for his, his size and all that, but so has like Canelo and, and Madonna and, and countless other fighters uh, Mayweather has fought, and they are, you know, precision artists in the sport. They they know their craft. McGregor's a mixed martial artist. He, yeah, and most of his wins have come from his hands, but like they they have also came from him setting up kicks, him doing spinning shit. You know, like his his craft is mixed martial arts. It's not boxing. And granted, you know, I I see decisioning a decision going towards Mayweather, but. You know, he. I, I don't see uh, McGregor being embarrassed, but I don't see him also winning. That's just a money grab for both guys. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that like, if that fight happens, it's just for money, man. It's just. I think Adrian Broner will destroy Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor in a boxing match. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, he's not a boxer. You know, even if you look at his fights, when he's doing his best is when he's mixing up his karate stance, I guess, boxing with his kicks. You know what I mean? Like, even against Nate Diaz, he looked scary when he was kicking uh, against his legs and, and just mixing it up. He was trying that weird capoeira kick way too many times. But, um, you know, he's doing his best when he's mixing it up, when he's keeping you in the stomach, when he's doing spinning back kicks, when he's keeping you guessing. And boxing, is, it's just not, not going to go well for him. You know what I mean? Like, forget about Floyd Mayweather. Like, Adrian Broner will destroy him, Maidana will destroy him, Marquez will destroy him, like any other boxer, you know what I mean? So it, it, it doesn't make sense unless they just go for, like, fuck it, let's just get this huge paycheck. Right. And that's the first negative thing you've ever seen that said about Conor McGregor, which I'm impressed about, Adam. I thought you, got, I thought you hugged his nuts more closely than uh, Santa Claus and his sack of toys, you know? I mean, I love the guy, but I'm, I got to be realistic. I mean, I, I watch his fights. I know what his talents are. I love him as an MMA fighter. And if you if he fights Floyd Mayweather, I will be watching, but I will be 100 percent expecting him to lose. <laughs> you gotta understand. You gotta understand. McGregor is a promotional and marketing genius, and as he said, whenever he fights, his checks are super heavyweight. He is only fighting for those fat checks. Right, Max. What do you think? What's what's the big Max? What's the big super fight to make? What's the fight to make? In the UFC boxing, I don't give a you shit. Wanna, like, what, what's the fight? You want to hear, hear something crazy? Drop knowledge. All right. All right. I was thinking, let's say Nate Diaz beats um, Conor McGregor again, which I think he will. Um, not going to happen. Let's say, anyway. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not starting this up. We, we got another <laughs> podcast for that one. But let's say he beats him. Um, I'd like to see Donald Cerrone, Nate Diaz, 170. That'd be that would dope. be dope. Wow. That would be dope, man. I would also like to see Cerrone versus Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz is coming off of his suspension in August. He needs a fight. I would have no. liked to see okay. Damian Maya versus uh, Nick, but, you know, Maya seems to be booked at the moment against another guy I would have liked to see Nick go against, Carlos Condit. But, yeah, Cerrone versus Nick would be dope. Yeah. The thing is, I agree. Nick does. Nick doesn't have that um, that beef with him, man. You know how the Diaz brothers are. When you ask Nate, when they've asked Nate to fight DSP or um, uh, who else was it, uh, Con- Carlos Condit, he's like, no, because that's my brother's beef. 
So I think he would come in with the same approach, you know, vice versa. But um, the reason I say it, too, is because, you know, we've seen what happened to Donald at 55. Um, he was a, a, a shell of himself, as he was saying himself. He said he was a lot weaker at 55. Yeah, he did in the, the Nate fight. He was emotional. Like, that wasn't quite yeah. the Serona we we typically see. You know, in the specifically the Nate Diaz fight, he was emotional. You know, he had his hat flipped off at the weigh-ins and, and what have you. Um, he rushed in. He he had that adrenaline dump. Um, I think the rematch would be differently. I wouldn't say Cerrone necessarily wins, but he is more than capable of winning. And I think it would be a better performance on his side. And even at 170, I think he he you know without that draining of cutting weight, he would have a even better performance. But I wouldn't guarantee a victory on his side, but it, I think we would have a more competitive fight. Amen. Yeah, sure. Hey, guys. So, so okay. So, the big card coming up. And, of course, we're, we're going to be on our week week where we don't have a podcast next week. But UFC 200, everybody is talking about fucking UFC 200. I mean, the most stacked mm-hmm. card I've ever seen in history. And I never saw it in my life, in my, my day. I would ever see... From the time I've watched him in King of the Cage to the time I watched him on The Ultimate Fighter, I've never seen a card so stacked, so fucking stacked, that Diego Sanchez would be on a prelim card. Blows my mind. Literally blows my mind. So this card is incredible. And final picks going down the list. And I'm going to name the list of matches. John, Max, Adam, give your personal assessment and give your picks for the next 15 minutes. Let's Fucking figure out who's going to win these matches. First fight on the main card, Cain Velasquez versus Travis Brad. John, who do you got picked? Um, for me, I, I kind of got Cain Velasquez winning. Uh, Travis Brown's last fight was kind of questionable. He was sort of losing against uh, Matt Matrione, and then the eye pokes kind of, you know, swayed the fight to a different direction. And he capitalized. I mean, you know, Matt Matrone didn't have the fight stopped. His corner didn't stop the fight despite the clear injuries of the eye pokes. And, you know, like, I'm not trying to fault Travis Brown in the situation, but he capitalized. But he didn't have an overall, you know, amazing performance. Now, Cain Velasquez fighting not in Mexico, you know, sea level Cain and all that, I think he's going to just out-momentum him and just grind him out and probably get a, a TKO. Got it. Max, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with John. I see Kane Velasquez taking this, especially at sea level. Um, he's he's the man at sea level. But like <laughs> he's like he's built for these type of these fighters, like these long, lengthy fighters, like the the, the um, Victor Silvas and um, the the Ben Rothwells. So I can see him getting in his face in a range where he's not going to be able to use that long reach. And Kane is good at that. He has that, that bobbing left-to-right movement. He gets in, and, and after that, we know you're on your head, and he's on top of you. Either you're knocked out or it's going to be a long night for you. So I got King Velasquez probably by TKO as well. Awesome sauce. Matt, I mean, Adam. I agree. Same thing, King Velasquez. I mean, we saw that if you pressure Travis Brown and, and you get him against the cage, you can just brawl him out. Um, I think it was Arlovsky that did that to him, right? Just kind of came out. Yeah, yeah, swinging he, and... I mean, it, it, it was a back-and-forth fight, but Arlovsky kind of just, he's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going fucking caution to the wind. I'm coming at <laughs> you. Yeah, he came out with, like, ridiculous speed and pressure, 
And I remember specifically Travis being hurt against the cage and then kind of clipping Arlowski and then Arlowski getting back up and clipping him. It was just crazy. Yeah, that, that shit was crazy. I remember we were watching that at your place. That shit was fucking yeah, crazy. That was insane. And I think that, you know, I think that Cain Velasquez is obviously a lot better than Arlowski right now. And he's going to come out with the same kind of pressure and finish him in similar fashion, but except not getting clipped. That's my opinion. <laughs> gotcha. And uh, you know what? Travis Brown is the uh, also, on a side note, he uh, is also the boyfriend of Ronda Rousey, who's been on the hiatus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God, I fucking... He, prefer, he, he prefers not to be called the boyfriend. He is Ronda Rousey's man, and Ronda Rousey is his woman. <laughs> okay. According yeah, to his right. interview with Ariel Hawani on the MMA Hour. That's how he oh. likes to look at it. Oh, my God. Okay, so... You know, I think Travis Brown, he, he trains. I don't think, you know what? I, I, I think uh, Ronda Rousey's mother has some fairly good points and assessments on the gym. Because besides Ronda Rousey, uh, before Ronda Rousey won the bronze medal, went to that gym, and somehow made that gym and that coach famous, uh, who else have they trained? Like, world-caliber athletes. You know, like, I don't think Travis Brown is getting the, the training. and not, He's not going to get the type of training that you would get, like TriStar, like uh, Jackson, Winkley John. I don't think Travis Brown, I think he's not enhancing himself as a talent. And no, no offense to Travis Brown. He's an incredible fighter. But I think he's maintaining. He's not enhancing himself. And in last few fights, it, it's evident, you know. And I think Cain Velasquez is training with some high-caliber cats. He's training with Daniel Cormier, who's, who's in heavy training getting ready for John Jones. I think training, it comes down to training. It doesn't come down to talent. But training-wise, Cain Velasquez is going to have a lot more tools and a lot of things he's worked on getting ready for this fight than Travis Brown did with uh, Cain Velasquez. So I think I, I have Cain Velasquez by, uh, by knockout second round. So yeah, that is my yeah I, have to, I, I have to agree with you on, on the whole training aspect. Um, he hasn't looked as phenomenal as he did back when he was training at Jackson's. Ever since he made the switch to, to Glendale, I mean, dating back to his Brandon Schaub fight, he Schaub was kind of controlling him. I mean, granted, he won that fight, but he didn't look, you know, dominant. He didn't look phenomenal. You know, then he, I, I can't recall who he fought after that, but he hasn't looked spectacular. Glendale isn't known to have spectacular MMA fighters, with the exception of Ronda Rousey. And I think... You know, in my opinion, Ronda Rousey is just a pure talent. I think she would benefit more so by training in a real MMA gym. She's training at a, a boxing gym under, uh, I can't remember, Edmund. Edmund is not, he's not a mixed martial artist. He, he, I mean, I believe he's done some grappling, he's done boxing, maybe some kickboxing, but, you know, he, he's a, that pure a boxer. And he got into Ronda's head, and he got her believing she's a boxer. And, yeah, granted, she has had some spectacular finishes. She finished Besh Kohara, which, you know, she's not a top-tier fighter, uh, unfortunately. I don't want to disparage any fighter, you know, but she, she was a girl who got into MMA because she wanted to get into shape, you know? And yeah. It, it was clear when she fought Holly Holm that she's not a boxer, and she tried to be a boxer. And the fact that she's training at a boxing gym and doesn't have the, the proper defense, the the proper movement, and she's been at this gym since the beginning, pretty much the beginning of her MMA career, shows it's not a great gym, unfortunately. I don't want to, again, I don't want to disparage the gym, but 
Ronda Rousey is getting by on pure talent, and then she took that devastating loss, and she's kind of fallen off the map. And I thought she would take this opportunity to go to a, a real legitimate MMA gym, and she hasn't. And, you know, much yeah. like Travis Brown, I don't think he's going to progress at Glendale. You know, right, I think right. if he went back to Jackson, he'd do better. If he goes to any MMA gym, you know, he's at a boxing gym. It's not going to help his overall skills. Right, exactly. Okay, so uh, now we go to the next fight. We go to the next fight. Uh, Jose Aldo versus Frankie Edgar. It's, it's a very important fight because, obviously, it's going to be next on uh, Conor McGregor's hit list if he ever goes back down to featherweight. So, uh, John, hitting it back to you, what, who do you have to win this fight, Jose Aldo or uh, Frankie Edgar? Honestly, I, I don't really have a legitimate pick. I thought the first fight they had was really close. I, I kind of had it towards Frankie Edgar. I mean, the fifth round was close. I mean, uh, Jose did a couple of flashy things that might have swayed the judges, but I thought it was really, really close. Now coming to the second fight, Jose just got, you know, arguably humiliated in his last title defense, which ended up in a defeat. He got finished in 13 seconds. One clean shot put him out sleeping, and how is he going to come back from that? We saw um, just Rory McDonald uh, a week or so ago come back from a devastating finish. I mean, it wasn't as spectacular as Jose's because Jose was put to sleep, but you could argue Rory didn't come back the same. His nose broke again. You could see that that, uh, Wonderboy landed a kick that kind of stunned him and he started getting into a weird tie defense where he had his arms crossed around his face, and he was protecting his nose, something a damage that he took from his previous fight. Now we have Jose, who took significant damage in his previous fight, and then we have um, Frankie, who just clean KO'd um, Chad Mendez. Is that sort of Frankie's going to come into that fight, Jose might be in trouble. Jose might not have that confidence to to be in the pocket. So with that said, I'm going to lead towards Frankie, but it all depends on the type of Jose that comes into this fight. Very cool. Max? Um, uh, I'm not really sure as well, but I'm going to go with Jose again. I mean, I mean, even though, like John said, he was knocked out, but he didn't get to showcase anything. And I know him being a fighter, he really wanted to showcase something. So he's going to come out there with that extra vigor. Um, I think he's over that the defeat. Um, I mean, not over like you know he you'll never think about it again. You know, Max, Max, Max not it, to but... cut you off, but um, you just gotta take into account chin don't get better. Once you get knocked out, you don't really fully recover from that. You get you get knocked out easier. You know, like your your chin never really recovers. Yeah, he might have better defense and what have you, but if he hit, gets hit again, he is capable of being put to sleep again. I, I I agree with that, but you have to remember we're fighting. He's fighting somebody else. He's not fighting Tom Gregor, and I, I really don't think his his chin is gone. He got caught coming in. It wasn't like he was standing in and just got planted. Um, there's a difference. I mean, he he was jumping in, but he, neither here nor there. In this fight, I believe he's gonna come out a lot hungrier. If you guys have been following his 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 progression after the fight, he's talked about you know passing you know over the Connor era and not even thinking about that right now and focusing solely on Frankie and training to fight just like he did back in the day. So we might see a, the old Jose Aldo, the, the striker, the attacker. Um, in that first fight, he didn't throw that many leg kicks because he was afraid of the takedown. He said he kind of regrets that. 
Um, this fight, I think we see more leg kicks. We're going to see um, Frankie actually slow down a little, possibly because he was getting him with those left kicks in I believe the first and second round before he stopped. But, um, yeah, I see more aggression from Aldo in this fight, and he's coming out to prove something. Awesome. Adam? Um, I think, honestly, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I feel like everybody else. This is this is a fight that's really, really hard to, to call. Right, right. Okay, so let's go on wait, to... Wait, wait, uh... Carter, before you, before you leave the subject, I just want to bring up the question. Um, who actually thinks McGregor's going back to featherweight? I I honestly don't see him defending his title. I see him... No fucking way. You know, he, he's taken welterweight fights. I think he's put on too much muscle mass to actually make it back down to featherweight. I mean, it's not impossible, but I think it'll take too much time. And I think he's gonna make a home at, at lightweight. I mean, what do you what do you think, Potter? I don't know. I I, I really couldn't tell you. Uh, wait, Adam, you got muted. I do apologize. What, do you want to finish your assessment of Jose Aldo versus Frank Yeager? Um, yeah, my bad. I actually lost connection. That was that was my bad. Um, so yeah, what I was saying before is like it, it's razor thin, and I kind of agree with kind of agree with um, John on on the fact that you know. He got knocked clean last fight, so I think he's going to be a little more reserved um, as opposed to being more aggressive. You know, I think that that was his, you know, his era in the first fight. He was really aggressive, and and he got knocked clean. So I think we're going to see a more tamed, more careful Jose Aldo, and I think Frankie might be able to take advantage of that. So I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go with Frankie. I think I'm going to say Frankie's going to take this one. He has the momentum. He's got a lot of things on his side. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that that's gonna be my pick. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah, man. And I'm, I'm, I have loyalty to, towards RU Wrestling, Rutgers Wrestling is the coach there. You know, like I, I have loyalty towards New Jersey Cats. So obviously, I'm gonna root for Frank Yeager. But uh, quick responses because uh, we're gonna go into our next uh, next portion of the show. Max unfortunately has to get off. Um. So okay, quick responses, guys. Misha Tate versus Amanda Nunez. John, who do you got for this fight? Quick response. <laughs> Um, I got Misha Tate. I think she has something to prove. She wants to be a dominant champion. She doesn't want to just be another interchangeable champion like, you know, Holly Holm, then Misha Tate, then Amanda Nunez. I think she's going to come in there. She might lose the first couple of rounds that she occasionally does because she's a, she's a slow starter. She's a gritty fighter. But I think she's going to take the win, especially because Amanda Nunez is known to wilter, uh, wilt. Um, towards the later rounds, and and she strives towards the later rounds. I think she's gonna get a finish, maybe in the fourth or fifth. Gotcha, Max. Yeah, I agree with John. I got Misha Tate. Uh, I was thinking about it today. I was giving Amanda a chance, but if she can't finish Misha Tate, which we found very hard to finish, of course, you know, only round with her. But like, if you, if you can't finish her, she's gonna grind you out, especially in the uh, championship fight. She's she's used to being in the deep waters. Where we, like Don said, uh, Amanda slows down in the, let's say like half of the second round. So um, I, I understand she's going to be preparing for a five round fight, but I don't think she'll have a gas tank, and I think Misha will finish her fourth or fifth round. True, true. Adam, my man. Uh, I think the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda has problems with her gas tank. She's going to gas eventually, unless she finishes her in the first one or two rounds, and then she's going to she's going to take that out. Gotcha. And, of course, the main event before Max departs for the evening. 
John Jones versus what? Daniel Cormier too. John, who do you got, baby? Um, wait, wait, are we skipping Mark Hunt versus Brock Lesnar? Oh, we're saving that for the pro wrestling guys because we're going to debate with the pro wrestling guys. So, all right, my bad, my bad. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly, I'm leaning towards John Jones, but I feel like like Daniel Cormier might surprise us. I feel like he he's got those championship title defense in, in his pocket. He he's been hurt, you know, against like uh, Anthony Johnson. Uh, Anthony Johnson like stuns him in the first round, and he. He went to war with uh, with Alex Gustafsson, and, and he's got this experience. He's fought in different weight classes, and I feel like he might surprise us. But like the the safe bet is John Jones. John Jones has fought the best of the best. He he's fought legends, future legends, and he arguably could move up to heavyweight and be champion. Um, but. You know, when it comes down to a clear-cut decision, I'm going to lean towards John Jones, even though currently I think he's a paper champion. The interim title should not have been made. It was ridiculous. The OSP as a champion would have been crazy. Uh, but, yeah, John Jones. Okay, very good. Max, for the last yeah. time this evening, the great Max! Ah! Of the Your final pick, hey. Daniel Cormier with John Jones. Uh, thanks, thanks for the intro again and the outro. But, yeah, guys, I'm going to be out with you. But I got John Jones winning this one again, of course, because, like I said, Cormier is getting a lot older. John hasn't reached his prime yet. So he's learning a lot of new tricks as well. And I know he's saying that he wants to land on him. And um, I see Cormier coming out with a, a wrestling-heavy mindset, seeing that the foot being tried to kickbox with John Jones. Uh, with that reach, you know, advantage, which is kind of crazy. So this time, I think he's going to push forward, trying to get him against the fence. He says he doesn't care if he has to go and, and grind him out the most boring fight you've ever seen for five rounds to do it because he knows he wants to hold that, that, that belt. And the only way to be the true champ is to beat John Jones. But I just see John Jones being too good for him. Um, I Possibly, I possibly see John Jones finishing him. So I got John Jones winning this fight. Goddamn. Adam, your final pick. Um, I'm going to go with DC, <laughs> man. Going with DC. Wow. Really? I'm going with, yeah, I'm going with DC on this one. I don't know put, why. Put, I just, put, put I money Look up the world. Wow. I have yeah, a feeling on John Jones. What do you got on DC? No, nah, I don't want to bet. I'm not betting. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to bet. Relax. But. Right, I, I don't know why. I have a feeling DC is going to surprise us. I think, you know, I think John Jones is going to go down as the best lightweight ever. I mean, they might fight, and DC might win, and they might fight again, and John Jones will just take it back. I don't know why, man. I just have this feeling DC is going to surprise us. You know, I, I, he's well-rounded. He's fought Gustafsson, who has that similar kind of reach and, and striking advantage that Jones has. I think he's better prepared this time, and, you know, I, I just think he's going to pull this one through. Yeah, and I, I talked to uh, DC, and I think he has the right, the right mind state going to this fight. And call me crazy, and everybody's been saying John Jones, John Jones, but I, for some fucking reason, I, I have no explanation why. I think DC is going to pull this out. I might be crazy, but I think he actually might pull this win out. No idea why, but, you know. It's, it's not crazy whatsoever, man. I think it's really going to be a competitive fight. I mean... People people disparage uh, DC's last performance against Jones, but I thought 
I rewatched it recently. I thought it was competitive. I mean, there's clear-cut winners of the rounds, but at no point was anyone being specifically dominated. Very cool. Hey, and ladies and gentlemen, Max is about to depart for the evening. Max, as always, one of the greatest co-hosts with the most. Max, thank you so much for coming on once again. Always a pleasure, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, Mm -hmm. Max! Later, Max. Again, bro. Later, guys. Right. Later. Can we can we hit Max's theme music one more time? One more time. Okay, I gotta do it right. I gotta do it right. <clears throat> Hold on one second, guys. Ah, okay, the MMA genius with an 80 foot penis. Wait, come on, Max. Was that good? All right. Right, I love you, Max, you. man. That that later, guy man. has love been guys, my friend bro. for like ten years. <laughs> <laughs> he is one of You're my oldest man, friends. That's crazy. Yeah, crazy though. Adam, you want to say goodbye? You shit. Oh yeah, later, man. <laughs> Adam, I'll see you at work tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, later, bro. Take it easy. Later, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Max, Max signing off. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to go into our next segue. When we talk about a subject we never talk about, which is uh, professional wrestling. And what a better way to talk about the pro- professional wrestling than starting with Brock Lesnar, who's a freak of fucking nature. And the cat is actually uh, going to be fighting at uh, UFC 200. And I don't know how I feel about that. But to bring, so- to bring someone on to share some perspective and maybe a different kind of perspective on it. Uh, UFC 200, of course, live on pay-per-view will feature uh, Brock Lesnar fighting Mark Hunt. And I got to bring on two cats. That no pro wrestling brother than anybody. Ladies and gentlemen, the man himself, and this guy has wrestled in the indie scene. He's very, very knowledgeable on the sport. The guy fucking knows everything about the sport and drops knowledge every chance he gets. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Sydney Cloud. Sydney, what's going on, baby? Hey, what's going on, man? Now, how you doing, up, brother? How you been? Uh, I, I'm, I'm alive. That's, that's, yeah, that's the best way to put it. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. And we have one more guy. He trains at Brooklyn MMA. He also trains at various different schools in the training camp right now. This guy is also a pro wrestling guru. He knows a shit ton about pro wrestling. Daniel Santiago. Hey, hey, what's up, guys? What's up? How y'all doing? What's going on, guys? What's going on? Okay. <laughs> what's going on? So, um, yo, Sydney, I have a question for you because we were just talking about UFC 200. And, of course, you would have different opinions about anybody, you know, with – as far as, like, everything's concerned, what do you think about Brock Lesnar fighting Mark Hunt, going from the WWE, fighting Mark Hunt? What, what do you think about that? I, I have no idea who the fuck Mark Hunt is. I, I, I'm really not, a, <laughs> I'm really not a, a UFC guy, man. I'll watch whatever Brock is on. But um, his chances, man, like, I, look, he's, you know, he, he was sidelined with diverticulitis, uh, uh, whatever it's called, diverticulitis. Um, you know, he should have just, he should have just, you know, kept it there, man. You know, he had a great run, you know, he, he unified the UFC titles and, you know, he, you know, he had a great run. He's going to come back and I just think it's not going to be good for him, man. You know, he's just been out of it too long. You know, he, he, he might've been training for a while, but I just think he's done with UFC, man. It's a one and done, you know, unless it's tricks, you know, and, and he wins. I, I don't know. I just think it, it's. I just think Vince McMahon and Dana White's doing good business. That's the best way to put the situation. City Cloud, you're a pro wrestler. You snuffed a motherfucker or two. Like, would you fight in the UFC? 
<laughs> Would I fight in the UFC? Hell fucking no, man. I, I stick to. I, I like kayfabe, man. I like kayfabe. Kayfabe is a good. It, it, yeah, that's a good world over there, man. Yeah, man. Awesome. Okay, so uh, Daniel Santiago, what, what do you think about uh, Brock Lesnar stepping into the realm of uh, UFC? Do you think he's got a chance? I think I think he may have a chance. Now, listen, you know Brock's been gone for a while. I know from diverticulitis and everything. Um, but you know the guy's a part-time wrestler, so who knows uh, what he could be? He could be could have been training this whole time, you know, in the background, you know, while this the show and everything's going on. But I got to give it to Vince, you know, in the WWE and UFC. I mean, they're they're going to make a huge draw out of this. Not to mention that SummerSlam is a month after. So I mean, you're looking at if the guy comes out with a victory, that's you know promotion and, and ticket sales through the roof. Because now they're going to see what's, what's next for Brock Lesnar. I mean, the guy did it when he first left uh, to do do it in UFC, won it to World Heavyweight Championship. I think he can come back and, and prove that he can still be dominant in, in the sport of uh, MMA. Oh, yeah. John, do you think Brock Lesnar has a chance, especially uh, he's been out for so long? WWE, do you think he's got a chance? Um, before I get into the PS agenda, i got to agree with uh, Daniel. I mean, everyone's going to profit from this. Um, Dana White's going to profit from this. I mean, uh, Brock Lesnar has been known to be the, the number one pay-per-view draw. He he killed it at UFC 100. He's back at UFC 200. He's definitely going to bring over crossover fans. And, and then once he's done with this fight, when he's draw, he's going to bring people back to SummerSlam. He's going to bring ratings to to the WWE Network and to the to the pay-per-view. Um, as to whether he'll win or not, I mean, honestly, it, it's an even match. Yeah, uh, Mark Hunt has been fighting, and he's been beating top competition, but Mark Hunt's Achilles heel is his grounding. Um, if he gets taken down, it's going to be hard to get Brock Lesnar off of him. Brock Lesnar's one of the few heavyweights that actually have to cut down to make the 265 limit. He's going to come in there. He's going to be aggressive with his takedowns. He's not going to try to trade with uh, Mark because that would just be crazy. I mean, granted, uh, Brock Lesnar has lunchbox, hand, lunchbox hands. He's gonna If he hits you, it's going to hurt. He just doesn't have the technique to, to land on Mark or to land adequately on Mark. But if he, he uses his, his pedigree, which is his classic wrestling which he's more than capable of doing. He could definitely win this fight. But yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up. I mean, if Mark, Mark Hunt lands an uppercut, it could be over. Mark Hunt has broken granite chins. He, he finished Roy Nelson. You know, like, Roy Nelson has been known to take shot after shot after shot. And Roy Nelson reacts well to getting hit. Now, Brock Lesnar, on the other hand, does not react well. He, he can take a shot. He does not get wobbled. I don't think I've ever seen Brock Lesnar rocked, but he reacts poorly. He'll he'll start covering up. He'll start backpedaling. He'll start breakdancing, as you see him in the the Cain Blaskett fight. But he he will not be one hundred percent hurt, but he will not react well. Now, if Mark Hunt lands, he will not react well. I guarantee it, and Mark Hunt will capitalize on that. And it's really a toss up. Yeah, and before we go into pro wrestling talk, we talk some WWE and we talk some indie wrestling. Uh, Sydney, I, I'm sure we'll have a lot of shit to say, but Adam, you, uh, you're a big wrestling fan. Uh, do you give Brock Lesnar, especially because he's wrestling the WWE, he's been out since 2011, do you give him a, an actual legit fucking shot against uh, a Mark Hunt who's knocking people left and right and he's been actually, he knocked out Frank Mirror? Like, do you give him a shot? 
Um, it's, I mean, I think I think if you if you bet on Mark Hunt, then you're, you're probably going to win some money. Um, I think that Mark Hunt he should win that fight. If, if he loses that fight, it it's it's embarrassing for him because he's been competing. Like last year, he was a title contender. You know what I mean? It, it, he actually fought for the interim title against Wardoon. What am I saying? You know what I mean? Like, this guy's the real deal. <laughs> but if fucking, if Brock Lesnar gets on top of him for just one round, like, he doesn't even have to finish him. If he's just laying on him for one round, I think it's over for Mark Hunt. I mean, Mark Hunt's not the super in shape as heavyweight, and heavyweights are not known to be super great with their cardio in the first place. And fucking Brock is just huge, man. If he's just on you one round, just pressuring you, laying on you, you're not going to be the same the next round. So, it's a toss-up, man, but I think that Mark Hunt should win that. Go ahead, Potter. No, 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 no. But, like, Brock Lesnar also, he's, he's a durable cat. Like, he's, he's also wrestled, and he takes massive bumps in the ring. you you got to have a lot of cardio. you got to have a lot of strength. you got to have to have a uh, Billy takes some ass whoopings when you get into a pro wrestling. Design an entire match. That's the difference between MMA. Some people tell you the difference between MMA and pro wrestling is MMA, you're trained to not get hit. But pro wrestling, you're designing an entire match getting hit over and over and over again. Like, a lot of people are saying, well, Brock Lesnar is a disgrace. He's a disgraceful pro wrestler. Like, Cindy knows about disgraceful pro wrestlers more than anybody. Like, I mean, he's a big fan of, uh, or a big advocate, if you will, of uh, this re- this website called Bad Wrestlers Exposed, which I think is a great satire website that everyone flips out about. Like, do you, like, uh, Sydney, by the way, like, I, I got to ask you this question. Do you run Bad Wrestlers Exposed? Do you run that website? <laughs> no, no, I, I wish I wish I did, though, because that, that website is more over than I'll ever be. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, and... I, I, Go on. You know, like I, I, I just I love the question. You know, because everybody asks. I don't know where I don't know where that rumor came from. I must piss a lot of people off. But um, the thing is, you know, I had a nice run with uh with with my brother Pinky Sanchez. You know, we had a nice little run, and we had the, the Sydney and Cloud. I mean, the Pinky and Cloud show, and I had no problem publicly voicing my opinion on everything. So. It makes no sense to accuse me of something like that. Like, I wouldn't hide if I had something to say. Like, and I'm not the toughest guy in the world. I just, you know, it's fucking funny to me, man. I, I like to I like to voice my opinions. And for me to hide, it's like a cowardly act. Like, it's just something cowardly, man. Just to hide behind a fucking ghost Facebook account and just rip on people. <laughs> like, you know, let people know who you are, man. I mean, I support it either way. And when And when these workers are selling for it, it just makes it that much better. Like it makes my teeth white just waking up in the morning and and reading like wrestlers getting pissed off over this. <laughs> and it's it's supposed to be fun. It's a fun website. I have a couple of shit show matches when I'm learning. It's about the game, it's the sport. It's like theater. Like everyone falls down sometimes during a theater play. It's supposed to be something to laugh at. Someone someone's not well dressed or well equipped first. It's supposed to be funny, but a lot of a lot of guys who take themselves way too seriously getting way too hot over this and completely understandable. But speaking about wrestlers who like kind of like are in the hot water or kind of scrape themselves now that we brought from Brock Lesnar, uh, Roman Reigns. What what's your entire opinion on Roman Reigns and what's gone what he's gone through? Or like Roman Reigns getting arrested for some mess, like the entire Roman Empire. What did you think about that entire block from WrestleMania to now? Uh Roman uh all right, Roman's a difficult 
he's in a difficult situation. He doesn't suck, it, like by by any means. He doesn't suck. And Are you he sure? Does, Are you no, sure he no. doesn't suck. No, he doesn't, and he and he does connect with the crowd. The problem is they had a chance to pull the trigger with this guy, and he was super fucking over. Um, uh, Royal Rumble 2014. Everybody wanted Daniel Bryan to win it. He got eliminated. Your next best choice was Roman Reigns. The people were behind him. Um, obviously, you know they, they had plans to go with Bate- go through with Batista. You know they're not gonna, you know they're not gonna, you know push him and then not you know go through with it. But they had they had that that was an open window to make you know to to keep Roman on top of it if they wanted to invest in him. But you know he got eliminated and he continued with the Shield bullshit. And it was just you know the fan the fans don't like. And, I, and I'm speaking. I'm speaking from a fan's perspective. Even though I've been in the business five years, um, the fans didn't want to see that coming. You know what I'm saying? Like it. Like when the fans watch this product, and I'm talking about WWE, not the Indies. The Indies don't matter. When they watch, when they watch WWE, they don't want to, They don't want to see it coming. You know the Miz. You know what I'm saying? They knew at some point he was going to win, but when it happened. It was it was flawless. It was flawlessly done. It was flawlessly executed. Everybody got behind him. Yeah, he was a great heel. He had a great run. He had, an, I think, a, a five-month run. He had a successful run and that cemented him as a top player for the rest of his career. You know what I'm saying? Roman Reigns, yeah. for, you know, for some reason, everybody saw this shit coming, and they pulled, like, another John Cena with him. And, and I just feel like instead of letting him grow on the crowd naturally like they should have, they just – they just pushed him. They shoved him down the fans' throats, and like we we don't want him. You know what I'm saying? This, 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 yeah. This, that's just that's just what Roman Reigns' problem is, as far as I'm concerned. Gotcha. Yeah, and Daniel. Okay, so you're the guy that told me that like you got busted for meth and like crystal meth and all this shit. Like Roman Reigns, what's your what's your personal assessment on him? Like, do you, do you build him up? Whoa. You know, a lot of, what do you think? Um. Yeah. So you know, my my perspective on Reigns. I mean, the guy's phenomenal athlete and everything, but. At the same time, coming from a fan's perspective, like uh, I feel like his, you know, his wrestling style, his character, I think it's already like we're over the hype. So we, we had a John Cena, we had Super Cena, you know, constantly winning titles. You know, the guys doing six, seven moves only in the ring, you know, constantly. So I think the fans just got tired of seeing that again and saying, okay, our top guy or the guy that we want on here is not getting on, and they're getting this guy who's the underdog. Good. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, that reign that he had was good, like I said. You know, it was a good run. But I think um, it was – they did it too fast, too fast. I mean, he's already now three – he's a three-time world champion already. Um, he's only been in this, doing this singles run now going on maybe about three, four – almost three years now, about to be four. I, didn't, I just think it was premature coming in and putting Reigns in that spotlight immediately um, after the, the whole incident. You know, like he said, the Rumble, we were all rooting for Daniel. Um, he ended up not getting another victory, not in the Batista uh, call and, and him winning. I think it was, you know, decent coming from a guy who's been doing that for a while. They wanted to put the veteran to take the reins real quick. But, again, I just think that, you know, the hype train and, and just seeing these big guys going and wrestling, you know, for me personally as a fan, it's just not something I want to see anymore. I, I mean, I'm looking more at these new guys, technical style wrestling, you know, the old school kind of thing where, it's, it's, you're telling the story. You know, you're not just getting beat up for two minutes and then execute a spear and the match is done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, 
See, see, this is the problem with WWE, and I think this is the biggest problem with Roman Reigns is they make wrestlers wrestle safe. And you're talking about seven moves to do with uh, John Cena, but, you know, fucking uh, Steve Austin had more limited moves than that when he broke his neck with Owen Hart. And he was still more over than anybody. The Rock, he still wrestled uh, somewhat safe. Um, you know, it, I, I think Seth Rollins didn't wrestle safe, and, you know, it's, it's, it's scary because your top champion – has, is running the risk of getting injured. Like, but like Roman Reigns didn't have the company behind him in the ways that he needed. Like, Adam, do you think Roman Reigns can, can recover from this, or like, what do you think about Roman Reigns as a, as a whole? Um, I think with, with Roman Reigns, they need to make him a bad guy. I think for most people, he's already the bad guy. So just make him the fucking bad guy. Like, just, you can't, man. You can't, you can't do it. You can't, you can't pull that trigger. I'm gonna tell you why you can't pull that trigger. Because that's that's exactly it, that's exactly what the fans will want right now, and, and you know what I'm saying? They see it coming a mile away, and they'd like it. But okay, you want this guy? It's like John Cena. Everybody's dying for John Cena to be, you know, to to, to turn heel. But here's the thing: you go from booing, you go from booing the good guy to turning John Cena, you know, heel, and now everybody's cheering him. So it makes no sense. You know what I'm saying? Like wrestling. All right, um, I, I'm not sure which one of you, one of you guys brought it up, but talking about The Rock and Stone Cold, you're talking about an era where Vince would, where Vince would literally like let these guys grow and be themselves because they weren't restricted by you know with being a publicly traded company. Their target, their target uh, demographic now is like I think uh, at, at an age maximum of like 14 right now, from a little kid to like 14. They have to be careful with their scripting. They have to be careful with who they market and, and who they trust because, okay, let's take a guy like Stone Cold Steve Austin. You, you, could, you, you, could, you couldn't duplicate that right now. They'd lose their license with Mattel and, and you know, you know all, all, it, it's, it's just it's, – I understand where they're coming from from a business point of view, but at the end of the day, you still have guys like me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a real big WWE mark. I'm 27 years old. And you know, I, I don't like watching a restricted product, but that's just that's just what it is. You think Vince McMahon and Triple H and Stephanie are, are going to throw away everything they're doing right now and all the money they're making, you know, to 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 pop me, to pop a whole bunch of you know thirty year olds like me? It, it, it's crazy. Like Roman Reigns, if if done right, he would have been another John Cena. They didn't do it right, obviously. So now you have Dean Ambrose, who, who's basically a watered-down Stone Cold Steve Austin. He, he's a, a controlled, restricted Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it, it's going to work for a little while, but if you notice and if you watch and pay attention like I do, like his pops are going down, you know what I'm saying? Like it, pe- people, are, people are starting to understand, Well, you know. If I, could, if I could cut in, I think that I agree with you about Ambrose, but I disagree with you about what they can do with Roman Reigns. Him as a face, they're, they're, we're tired of him as a face. 
I understand Team Team uh, Ambrose is not getting over as a champion. He's having uh, some diminishing returns right now. I think Seth Rollins should be the champion at the moment. But honestly, when it comes to this whole uh, uh, Shield trifecta, it needs to be Seth Rollins. Maybe he needs to convert to babyface. I mean, we see his moveset. He has this spectacular moveset where he's doing all this flipping shit. When the fans go over for him, it's time for him to be face. Maybe have his Triple H SummerSlam match. And it's time for Roman Reigns to finally adopt the heel persona. Do whatever. Get the fans to fucking hate him because they already dislike him. Now he needs yeah, to get you turn him heel, they're gonna they're gonna cheer him. It, it's just, yeah, it's and, just... And you you spoke of how um how it would be predictable or it's what the fans want from Roman Reigns. Why not give what the fans want? Because right now being baby faced for Roman Reigns is not working out. He's got booze after boo after boo for every yeah. venue they've gone to. It's, it's, it's not horrible. working out for him. He's not going over. They don't like him as champion. They don't like him wrestling. He, we we get the you can't wrestle chance, which is terrible. But this guy's no, going I mean, out he, there. He can, he he, can he's wrestle. putting on performance after performance, and he's doing what he's capable of. But yeah, he's getting they're critiquing his like they're breaking the third uh, the fourth wall. You know, like they're going like you can't even fucking wrestle. We don't have any interest in you. And that and that, that generates that heel heat. That's where they go too far, though, and and that's where I have to call them super marks, uh, smart marks, because the, the guy can clearly wrestle. I mean, like if you watch the the AJ Styles match, he had uh, what was it, Extreme Rules, or or or, or Payback. I, I I don't know where they wrestled, but they had like a nice twenty five minute. It, it was a really good match. AJ might have carried him through the match, but yeah, I mean, if AJ carried uh, him, he honestly, followed very I think, well. I think I think all, all these guys can wrestle. It's just the degree that he can wrestle. Is he a, uh, a Sami Zayn? No. Is he a Nakamura? No. Is he an AJ Styles? No. But he's capable of wrestling. But he's not getting over with the fans. It's time to generate that heel heat. He needs to be, well, become yeah. a bad guy yeah. like he originally was with the Shield when they were jumping CM Punk, when they were jumping Daniel Bryan, just coming out and destroying people. He needs to go back to his heel roots, accept the hatred, and, and restructure his character. But yeah. he's not getting yeah. over as the uh, the John Cena substitute. Because he is God. portraying himself as that, that Superman character, you know, where he gets he gets that victory no matter what. That's John Cena's stick, you know, like... And he's not—he's not getting that. And Johnson is barely getting that. You know, he still has that split crowd. So I'm just saying, like, maybe it's time, like, before he cements himself as a face, go heal again. You know, like Cena, it's hard for him to go uh, heal again because he sells so much as a face. He—he he sells to the kids. He does all those Make a Wish Foundation, you know, like appearances. And he—I uh, respect it because he genuinely does it. He's a hard worker. But it's hard for him to go heal again because it, it, it would be hard for him to do those certain things. So we never see a heel Cena, but let's get a heel Roman Reigns. Okay, okay, hold on one second. Hold on one second, guys. I have the perfect idea how to turn Roman Reigns heel. Are you guys? I'm going to pitch it to you. Sydney uh, Cloud, please listen and tell yep. me your assessment. Adam, you two, and Daniel. Okay, so they signed the contract to reinstate Roman Reigns, Okay. Vince McMahon's there. Triple H is there. Shane McMahon's there. Roman Reigns walks through the crowd, gets in the ring, and as he stares down at the contract, he whips out a big bag of fucking Coke, lays it down, does a couple of lines. Boom! PG-313 <laughs> arrow. Boom! Adam, what do you think? Hell yeah. 
Hell yeah. I'd I mean, I, 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 love I, it. I don't, anyway. I don't think they ever did anything like that in the attitude ever, but I would appreciate it. Yeah, um, I mean. As far as the whole woman made suspension goes, have they mentioned that ever? I mean, honestly, I'm, uh, uh, currently I'm a casual fan. I mean, I follow the, the sports entertainment as close as possible. I watch a decent amount of NXT, but I cannot honestly say I watch SmackDown. I don't watch Raw every Monday. I mean, I, 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 I try to look up the storyline to keep, you know, up to date. But have they addressed the whole Roman Reigns like well, uh, well, incident? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, so what happened? So what happened is what what uh, from what I was reading very as poorly, well is very that, poorly. Yeah, they they were they were trying to work it and trying to make it like a thick, like part of the storyline, even though it was true. Um, that was sort of the idea they were coming up with. But then at the end, you know, they just ended up saying, well, we're just going to have them, you know, suspended for thirty days and bring them back for the pay per view. Uh, yeah, but, a um, threat, so. I don't need to cut you off, Daniel, but, like, what yeah. was the actual, um, like, what what did they say in accordance to, like, why he was not at Raw? Why, why, you know, I, I, I put on Raw this past Monday, and uh, Seth Rollins was talking about how it should be a one-on-one match. How exactly were they addressing Roman Reigns not being able to compete? And, you know, like, the whole uh, suspension is kind of trivial. You know, like, they could tell him not to be on drugs. Or yeah. whatever the case. I, I don't even know what he was on. I'm assuming steroids or maybe painkillers, you know, something that's always associated with wrestling. But I, I don't know what exactly it was. But he, he did not meet, you know, like, uh, uh, conduct of, um, so, you know, the yeah. wellness program. Well, with the drug, what, what, what I found out to what it, be, what it was was um, it's like a, a methamphetamine. So he had a, a amphetamine in his body. So they didn't, they, they didn't know whether it's drugs or it could be a symbol of, you know, any sort of drug that he was taking just, just to have fun probably, and it, it was still in his system. Um, so that's what they had said. But uh, actually, I actually did not tune into all this week. This is the only time I missed it. Um, but from what, um, you know, I was reading through the storylines or whatever, I think they just wanted, they want to kind of like put it in the back burner right now. They don't want people to really know, like, why he's not there. And so I think they're just trying to add on to, like, you know, storyline or have Seth and, and Dean basically build up the match and kind of, like, have this epic return of, of Roman Reigns. And maybe then people will start to cheer him. You know, that, that's kind of how WWE's idea usually is. Maybe if we put this guy on the shelf for a bit, we don't mention him, people are going to wonder, okay, well, what happened with Reigns now, now that he's in this match? What, where is he going to play? What's his role? And then once he pops out, they're going to be like, oh, snap, there goes Reigns. And now you've got some fans who probably jump back and they're like, oh, man, this is great. We're seeing them now in action. But, you know, WWE has just their way of doing those things. So I really don't know exactly what they're planning to do. Um, me, honestly, I just think, you know, they should just never give him the suspension, just lift it and just have him come back and, and do his thing. Because to build up this match with three guys and only two of them are on are going to be on Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown and even the draft that's coming up, I mean, you're not going to see Roman's face uh, potentially. So, I mean, this in itself could either damage that main event or it could make it a little bit better. So, who knows? Uh, gotcha. Daniel, um, um, two questions real quick. I'm sorry to, to cut you yeah. off, by the way. Um, no am I the only one who only tunes into Raw to see uh, Enzo Amore and Big Cass in second? Um, how do you feel the draft is going to go? I, 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 I honestly don't know who – I feel like they have to have – like at least a couple of big names go go over like like a John Cena. Do you think John Cena's gonna make it over to SmackDown? I know SmackDown is going live now, and um, you I know like they I, need they need that draw. But again, do you only watch Raw for Enzo Amore and Big Cash? Because that's <laughs> what I tune in for. 
The funny thing is, John, is I actually have their ringtone. That's how exciting they've gotten. I never used to watch them in NXT. I know when they came on Raw one day and people were telling me, oh, you got to check out Enzo and Big Cass. And I heard, like, the first time when they debuted with the Dudleys. And I was like, yeah, I love these freaking guys. These fucking guys are, like, amazing. This is, like, this is what I watch when I want to watch Monday Night Raw. I want to see stuff like this coming in and saying, I mean, I, ch- I do a chant like I'm a little kid and all that. It's ridiculous. But um, for the draft, I really do think they may put John Cena on that side. And maybe I'm, I'm even speculating to say uh, Dean Ambrose. Uh, they changed the WWE World Heavyweight title. Now it's called the WWE uh, title. Uh, so are, now are they're they, going to come are, up. Are they going to split the titles? But yeah, they're going to have two belts. Different products. From what I'm Vinny, hearing, Vinny. there's supposedly specs that they're going to be two belts. Um, I think that's going to be very interesting of old, like, you know, the old draft where it's Raw versus SmackDown. Um, but I'm just, I'm thinking, I'm going, my gut feeling says they're going to put Dean in, uh, and like John Cena and, and guys like that over there. Um, and then have, you know, some other top names in Raw and kind of like mix it up a bit, trying to make it, you know, interesting so people could tune in. You have to see this guy in order to watch, you know, uh, in order to watch SmackDown or to see this guy, you got to tune into SmackDown or to see this guy, you got to tune into yeah, Raw. So exactly. I think that's, that's, that's interesting that's, about that's it. That's a good game plan. You know, like, it, it's mm-hmm. like if you want to see this product, you have to be here. You know, yeah. you, you can't. You can't get this product on Monday. You got to get this product on Tuesday. You know, like yep. it'd be a good yep. game plan. I'm just curious of which superstars are going to try to bring the the prestige to SmackDown. The SmackDown right. has always been viewed as a lesser product. Yeah. Right, John, 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 John. Don't mean to cut you off. Okay, so before we uh, before we depart this evening, I got uh, one question for you guys. I'm gonna ask uh, Sydney because Sydney will uh, know this better than anybody. You know the indie scene. You know, there's uh, plenty of the, the wrestlers in the roster. Okay, so it's going to be the brand, brand split. You have Raw, SmackDown, next. Okay, so three guys. Any three guys you want, okay, for Raw, SmackDown, and next. Next, obviously, is catered towards indie wrestlers and everybody like that. SmackDown, Raw. Who are the three names, you, if they split up the title, if they make separate world championships, who are the three guys on each brand that you could put the companies back on? Sydney. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't touch NXT. NXT's fine the way it is. Uh, SmackDown, Dean Ambrose definitely. Uh, just just because Dean Ambrose just he he he's not at that prime time level for me yet. Even though I'm a huge fan of him, I, I think he could really build on SmackDown and you know lead the the B show. Uh, as far as A man, right now the man who's in his prime and is an A class player in all aspects of the game that is Seth Rollins. There's nobody better than Seth Rollins to to, to lead Raw and to lead the WWE. Um, that's just my opinion. Right. Daniel, what do you think? Three guys. Three uh, um, well, if you're talking, if it was me, I would name, like, my older people. But if you're talking modern era, um, yeah, I agree, you know, definitely. Uh, with, uh, you know, the Dean Ambrose pick for SmackDown, I really think he's just not there yet. He's getting there. I mean, they put the belt on him for a reason. The guy's a hard worker. So they see that he does have that potential. He's there grinding all the time, but um, I think he would just be best on the B-Show. I would tune in definitely to watch SmackDown with Dean Ambrose. I love Dean Ambrose as a wrestler. Um, and yeah, for the A-Shows, I'm not a huge Seth Rollins fan. I enjoy him as a wrestler. His mic skills are okay to me, but um, if, it was, if you had somebody to carry the show you know, uh, and carry that one, I would definitely say, uh, definitely say Seth Rollins for that one. Um, you know, I think a couple of NXT guys, uh, one guy I think in particular they should bring up to make the Raw would be a lot better would be a guy, like I say, uh, Finn Balor. 
Finn Balor could make the jump over to Raw, and I think that will make it, you know, something to watch. I think putting the NXT guys into both brands and splitting them into the different brands will make it more interesting because now it's no longer about watching the NXT guys. You have to tune in to see a guy like Samoa Joe jump on Raw or a guy, you know, like freaking, um, you know, let's say Finn Balor or some go on SmackDown, whatever the case is. So that that's personally what I would think too, so. Right, I would, I would fucking love Finn Balor to get a get a push. Um, what do you what do you think, John? Three guys. Um, three guys to SmackDown. Well, three guys for next SmackDown Raw. Three guys to lead uh, all three brands. Who who would you put the companies back uh, company on their backs? Who would you put pick? I would push the SmackDown. Honestly, I would put Cesaro. Uh, Cesaro has been like a, a top tier guy. His but it's not broken out yet. Um, he's clearly over. He has the whole Cesaro section going on for him. I think he should be, like, uh, the face of SmackDown. And then as, uh, like, uh, you know, like his rival, I would put Kevin Owens. Push Kevin Owens over to SmackDown. Have him be a top-tier fight, uh, you know, wrestler. You know, have him do his thing. Maybe feud with Cesaro, whatever. If they split the title again, have them to feud for the title. And then uh, bring Finn Balor over from NXT. Honestly, I would prefer if NXT stayed its own entity and, you know, kept their, their guys. They wouldn't break out to Raw or SmackDown. Because, honestly, NXT is the best product WWE is producing right now. Um, I watch NXT as often as I can. They have top-tier matches. Their storylines aren't as detailed as Raw and SmackDown, but their wrestling is, like, top-notch. And, like, just watching the matches, I'm not skipping over. I'll, I'll watch whoever's on the TV at the moment because they're producing a top-tier match regardless of what their storyline is. So I would like, personally, I would like to have NXT as its own entity. Um, I hope, uh, I don't know if I answered your question or not, but that's how I would want the WWE landscape to be. As okay, Raw, so John Cena, Seth Rollins, you know, you know, like the the faces of the organization. John Cena, Seth right, Rollins, right, right. Roman Reigns, Ambrose, keep them all at Raw, you know, and try to produce the next tier stars on SmackDown. Right. So, uh, Sydney, before you depart, and uh, before we all depart for this episode, uh, what would you change about pro wrestling stuff? Obviously, it's not the way it used to be when we grew up as fucking kids. When, when, Raw, when Raw was on top notch on television and, like, leading the ratings and all that shit, indie wrestling, pro wrestling, wrestling itself, Sydney, well, you, and you always are so opinionated about pro wrestling, like, all pro wrestling shit, what would you change about pro wrestling, that whole dynamic of it? What would you change to make it better? Uh, the whole dynamic... There's a problem with that question because indie and mainstream wrestling are two different way. They're two different things. Um, I mean, I can answer. You, I can answer your question with two with two answers actually. Uh, as far as the indie scene, as far as the indie scene goes, um, there needs to be less cocksucking, less less circle jerks, and and just like show more love, man. And and you know, and, and these old timers, man. I'm talking about these guys like 40 years old, 38. You know what I'm saying? Who have Probably no chance in making it. You know, they just need to they need to step aside and and, and fill in another role and um and and basically you know leave some space open for the young guys to go uh, um 
people people need to stop basically spreading so much hate. Um, show show so much show some more love and 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 you know what the, the industry will be way better. As far as WWE, I can't say anything about WWE. I mean, they're a successful, you know, billion-dollar publicly traded company. What the fuck can I say about them, you know what I'm saying, when I'm still living paycheck to paycheck? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, you know, I had a, I had a different... Um, I had a different look on look on this you, you know, before. You could say let's let's move beyond the PG era. Let, let we regress the PG era. Let's go back to PG thirteen, maybe. That I mean, me personally, that's the only commentary I would make on WWE. They're doing their thing, they're killing it, but I'm not about that PG era. They, they yeah. can't, they can't, they can't switch it though. It, it, it just, it wouldn't work, right? I mean, it'll work, it'll work for us, but it, it wouldn't work for the company. As I mean, well. I mean, I mean, they're getting, they're getting now a little bit. I'm, I've been watching the storyline, and they're getting a little bit more edgier. There's a lot of things that you wouldn't normally saw two, three years ago. My thing about it though, I would, I would personally think, you know, and you know, it's like you said, they're building our company. Who cares what my, 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 what, what I'm saying? But at the same time, what I personally feel, in my opinion, I've, all, I was always engaged in the storyline. So whether it was attitude or anything like that, um, these storylines now are all over the place. I mean, you have a storyline that can go probably about a week or even just one raw, and then the storyline completely shut down or, or done. Um, I've always was engaged in, in keeping the story, you know, expanded, prolonging it, and that's what made the match more exciting because now you're trying to figure out, okay, what's going to happen next or what's going to go on in this pay per view. So for me, it's just getting that storyline out there. The wrestling, for me, the product is still great. I sit there and watch a couple matches here and there. But I just think prolonging those stories, like, you know, engaging those storylines and getting them to that point where you're just sitting there like, okay, what is going to happen in this pay-per-view now? This is kind of different. And adding a bit more surprises because they got rid of that. They kind of, like, shied away from surprises like maybe a return or maybe bringing in these one-timers uh, uh, coming in or these part-timers or maybe just coming and having a surprise of somebody, you know, interfering in a match, just something like that to not always make the match, personally, for me, feel like a predict, like a prediction. Like, I'm just going to predict the outcome of the match, which nine times out of ten now is the case. So I want to be able to not say, okay, this is what's going to happen in this match just based upon what I saw. I want to be able to, back in the days, go back and go, okay, I don't know what's going to happen now. This is ridiculous. And, and just be on the edge of my seat. So that's personally what, what I feel. All right, John, what I do you think? Agree, I, got, I got to agree with Santiago, man. I mean, I miss the unpredictability of, like, a, a Monday Night Raw. I mean, when I was watching it as a kid, anything could happen. I, could, might, I might be seeing titties. I might be seeing blood. I might be seeing, like, a potential, like, you know, key shape death. You know, like, it, it was, like, you never knew what you were going to get. But then, you know, today, you put on a Monday Night Raw. It's like, let's be real. We all watch Raw if you're a wrestling fan. You don't. Like, SmackDown's not your number one show. You go to Raw, because that's where the main storyline progresses. That's where you get the, the main everything. You know, like, you know, SmackDown has become filler. If you want to watch extra wrestling, you watch SmackDown. And maybe they'll change that now that SmackDown's going to be live on Tuesdays or whatever the case is. But you watch Raw, and Raw has been the same for me. Like, I, when I grew up as a kid... I watched Raw and I would see the most outlandish things. Now I watch Raw as a 27-year-old adult and it's the books. You know, you see the same things over and over. You can predict what's going to happen. Special events don't typically happen unless it's after WrestleMania or on a pay-per-view. You're not going to see a title change unless it's 
on the pay-per-view or the WWE network. You know, you're Absolutely. not going to see, like, special events, you know? Unless, unless it's the day after Raw, it's the, I mean, the day after WrestleMania, day after, you know, the Royal unless it's the day after these tentpole events, you know, something special is not going to happen. It's very to the books. And well, right. That's why the brand split. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, what was your response? I'm saying that these are reasons why the brand split is is a necessity these days. Um, basically, everything has become so stale. You know, every, nobody watches SmackDown. Um, you know, they need it, it, it's it's true. Just like Vince said in 2002, you have to shake things up. Now, what you the per, WWE has the perfect opportunity to take all these B stars that are crowding around and or, or just floating around, put them on SmackDown, and give them some real storylines to work with and help build and develop their character and turn them into mainstream stars. You know what I'm saying? Back, I remember, uh, uh, I remember, uh, honestly, honestly, I, I appreciate that building competition to ascend themselves. You know, like WWF, WWF was not at its peak until they had WCW killing them. Now, SmackDown might not be like the, the mainstream like you know show to watch, but if they start competing with themselves, We'll get a better product, and I I, I want to see a better product. I want to see them compete with themselves. I want to see SmackDown try to be the premier show, and that's yeah. that. That's why I believe the brand split will be a better product. Right. Yeah. All right. So final thoughts before we wrap up the show, like a Christmas present. I'm gonna leave you guys before. Uh, each one by one, uninterrupted. Final thoughts about anything. Plug anything. New girl you're dating, fucking awesome. Name anything you want. I leave the floor to you guys first. Sydney, before we wrap up the show. Final thoughts, brother. Final thoughts? Listen, you, you, you sensitive cocksuckers in New York City. You guys <laughs> need to start showing me some goddamn respect. Now I'm just, I'm just playing a lot. Um, every, everybody, everybody in the New York City, I, I can't say nothing about WWE. You know, I, I'm a mark for it, but at the end of the day, I understand what they're doing, so I'm going to leave that alone. But um, as far as the NBC, man, everybody needs to stop hating each other, man. Work together. Uh, stop these bullshit indie beefs. Be, because, honestly, it's not going to do anything but create drama and lose money for your product, potentially. Everybody just needs to work together. Um you know, people need to stop going into people's houses and and and, and assaulting them with deadly weapons. Um, oh. it, it, uh, uh, and we just need to work together. And basically, everybody has the same goal, whether they want to admit it or not. If you watch wrestling and if you're in the indies, you want to make it to WWE. I don't care what you say. That's the goal. And the only way you're going to make it there is if you believe in yourself and you work together. So spread love. Um, if you haven't already, go on YouTube, check out the Pinky and Cloud Show or the Sydney Cloud Show. Um, give us some likes. Uh, hit me up on Facebook. Potter, uh, thanks for having me on, man. No problem, man. Sydney Cloud and Lutus, I hope you're paying attention to this podcast. Sydney, always a fucking pleasure, man. Thank you so much, bro. And uh, Daniel, right. final thoughts. Final thoughts, man. Um, my, my my thing, my exciting for me, I was just like, you know, watching the wrestling product now. What I got really excited for, I'm not going to lie, was jumping for doors, is that return of Shane McMahon. I think he's just going to bring, bring a lot of big things now. Uh, back, he's going to entertain people. It's going to be something to watch, especially if they put him on SmackDown. I'm just, I'm excited for what's in store, pretty much with this draft and, and to see what's going to go on. Um, you know, um, and yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it, man. Thanks again, Potter, for having me on here as well, man. Appreciate it. Have a good time. 
I was listening to you guys uh, shoot the shit with uh, Joe Soto. And uh guy's a phenomenal athlete. You know, I just hope um, he continues to keep working. And I think he'll be up there as a contender. We're going to see him, you know, one day getting those big fights too. Um, so I definitely want to, you know, check that out as well. Okay. And the very talented MMA journalist and uh, MMA genius, John, we got to give you your own fucking podcast, man. <laughs> like, final <laughs> thoughts, brother. Anything you want. I mean, is this our final, final thoughts? We're not going to give our shout-out segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do the shot segment right after, right after the final thoughts, brother. All right, I just wanted to double check, you know. Like, I didn't know if this was going to be the last time I'm talking on today's podcast. I mean, final thoughts, uh, I want to thank Joe Soto for, you know, giving me the time of day to ask him my question. Um, final thoughts towards um, WWE, I mean, let's make Roman Reigns a heel already. You know, like, it's time for him to be the the bad guy, you know. Let's stop making him the guy. It's time to make him the bad guy, you know. Let's move on. And um, I can't wait for UFC 200. I don't know what we're gonna do. I think uh, you and Malik should meet up together, and uh, I don't know if we should do like a live podcast during UFC 200, but we should do something for UFC 200 as like a legitimate, like you know, entity. You know, like yeah, we're, we're focusing, we're focusing on MMA. And that's the biggest card of I don't know when, you know, like I don't know when we're gonna get a bigger card, but as an entity, as you know, like I'm a writer, I'm a podcaster, you're you know, you're the, the main you know, head of uh Dream Elite, we should do something for two hundred because that that's a significant event. We'll work out something. We'll work out something. But uh first I want uh before we me and uh me and uh John wrap this up. Sydney, the great Sydney Cloud. Uh, it's an, always been a pleasure of talking to you. When I met you at 2KW Pro, you were the nicest guy on the fucking planet, and it was an honor talking to you, honor me, you, honor calling you my friend. Thank you so much for coming on, brother. We gotta give you your own fucking show. Can we give you your own show, please? For the love I, of God. I already have, I already have my own show. <laughs> but yeah, I, do, man. I, I need a better. I just need a better platform. Yes, sir. Yo, yo, Absolutely. Yo, it's been good, good talking to you, man. I, I like to go back and forth when talking about MMA. It was. Like, I think you're a superior wrestler, you know, like, when it comes to knowledge. But it's been good talking to you about, like, you know, the, the ideology of what, you know, WWE should do, man. Like, it's been good having you on the show, and I hope you, you appear again. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, thank you so much, Denise. Thank you yeah. very, very much. I couldn't appreciate it more. No problem, man. Anytime. All right, thank you. The great Cindy Cloud. Dan, thank you so much for coming on, bro. By the way, he has a GoFundMe for his latest training camp. Can you plug that before you leave, Dan, please? Definitely. Awesome. So Mm -hmm. uh, go on his GoFundMe account, search Daniel Santiago, fund his account, guys. I know we got plenty of fucking listeners. Every week we get like 3,000, 4,000 listeners. I hope we we got 4,000 listeners this week. But, you know, go go to Daniel Santiago. Hit him up. Hit up that GoFundMe account. Fund his training camp. He's a talented guy. And he deserves it. Dan, thank you so much, brother. Thanks. No problem, brother. Yeah. And don't and don't forget, we you know we in the works, man. I should have my own podcast shortly. You shoot the shit with wrestling, man. So well, it's in the works. Santiago, Santiago, before yeah. you go, what what are you up yeah, to? What, what what is your game plan? Are you doing the Muay Thai fight next? What what is next for Daniel Santiago? I I see your your post on Instagram, man. I want to know <laughs> what is next for you, man. What are you trying to achieve next in, well, in the well, life of Santiago? 
Well, well, the goal, the goal right now to start is um, is to do K1 Muay Thai. Uh, you know, do Muay Thai actually, but uh, you know, get my dabble in, in in some K1. You know, get a couple fights under my belt, um, and then transition right back into MMA from there. Um, that's that's the goal. I mean, I've always loved MMA. That's the main thing. I started wrestling first in high school, so I mean, the goal is to get the striking good, and then uh, you know, build everything up, become you know, my my favorite fighter is GSP, become. You know, the greatest, at, not the greatest, but the best at, at, at pretty much everything and a well-rounded fighter. So right now I'm doing K1. Um, it's in the works. I may have a fight approaching in September. It isn't confirmed yet. Uh, we're in the works and, and talks. Me and my coaches, you know, we're just discussing it right now. So I've just been losing weight, working out. But, uh, yeah, you know, K1 and, and Muay Thai are, are where the goals at right now, and MMA will come back later on. Absolutely. Dan, thank you so much, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, we got to start that wrestling uh, podcast soon. Daniel Santiago, thank you so much, brother. Definitely. Pleasure, pleasure. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, so we got seven minutes left. So, shout-outs. And first, I want to give a shout-out to, uh, to your family and my, my deepest regrets and uh, my de- de- deepest sympathies about uh, your aunt. I'm sure she was a beautiful lady. Of course, you guys have a beautiful family, so I wouldn't expect anything less. And, uh, you know, big shout-out to her. Uh, shout-out. Mr. John. Yeah, man. I mean, to follow up what you just said, I want to give a shout-out to my Aunt Carrie. I mean, again, I want to dedicate this podcast to her. I mean, dedicate my appearance to her. I know I'm a, a special guest. I'm not quite a regular yet, even though I've done the back-to-back special Jubilee podcast. But <laughs> you got to do it. I'm, a, I'm dedicating my appearance, and again, this podcast to Aunt Carrie. I love you so much. And I hope you're you're at peace, and I love you. Absolutely, and that's the only shout out I want to do too to your and care. I, you know, I I was deeply deeply sad when I heard about that, and you know, Brandon, you are two great chips off the old block, and you guys have a wonderful family, and I see so many videos of, of Brandon's son, and you 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 guys have a magnificent family, and uh, I want to also give a shout out to your aunt, and give a shout out to your family, give a shout out to Brandon who couldn't make it. Has so many responsibilities that give a shout out to you, my friend. And we got we got to make you a regular. I think that's we got to make that official. We got. I mean, if I was a regular, I'm not I'm not asking for for the position, but I mean, if I was a regular, it'd be appreciated. I mean, like I don't mind being a substitute, but you know, if I was a regular, that'd be cool too. I mean, I'm gonna try to get back into my writing flow. I know it's been a while since I last produced an article. You know, you call me a journalist, but I'm not quite a journalist. I'd rather be viewed as like a blogger or a columnist because I'm not not quite hunting MMA news, you know, and like I don't feel like I deserve that title, but I appreciate it because it's very prestigious to be called a MMA journalist. And uh, I mean, I appreciate the opportunity you've given me and uh, the platform you've given me to speak my opinion on whether it comes to boxing, MMA, or wrestling, you know. You know what? Of course. I want to give out, uh, uh, give out a shout-out to David Potter for giving me the <laughs> opportunity to, to speak my mind because, you know, you know, we might bust each other's balls, but, you know, you're producing a very special thing. We're talking to Joe Soto. We're talking to Rose Namajunas, you know. We're talking to legit MMA fighters. It's not just like some Ricky Dick podcast. We're talking to real MMA fighters. We're getting real opinions, real answers, and it's all thanks to David fucking Potter. So, uh, I when, when it comes to, I don't know if this is my closing statement, you know, I don't know how much time we have left, but I want to give a fucking shout out to David Potter, because thank you for giving me this platform, this opportunity to talk to certain fighters, 
to produce my opinion and, you know, like, you know, you know, giving me shout outs, you know, the way you, you know, send my articles out to many of platforms, get those hits. Thank you, David Potter. Oh, thank you, John. You're the fucking man. Thank you so much, brother. And appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate you. We got to make you a fucking regular. We got to talk to Max. Got to talk to Brandon. Got to talk to uh, Adam. Adam is always a hard man to reach, but we got to talk to Adam. We got to make this fucking happen. We got we to make you a regular, John. Thank you so much for coming on once again. Always, uh, always a pleasure, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, man. Okay, very good. John, thank you very much. And uh, that'll conclude the show. My girlfriend is calling. If you couldn't hear, baby, say hello to everybody. Hey. Okay, so uh, baby, I'm gonna wrap up this podcast and then I'm gonna talk to you. Okay. Oh, okay, baby, I'm so sorry, I didn't know you were. So no, say hi to everybody, <laughs> baby. Say hi to everybody. <laughs> okay. Hi, everybody. Okay. All right, love you, sweetheart. All right, bye. All right, so that wraps up the podcast for this evening. Um, obviously, girlfriend calling, so obviously that's my cue to bust out of here. But thank you so much. To John, thank you so much to Brandon. He's training hard right now. Uh, he had to teach a class. Completely understandable. Thank you so much to Sydney Cloud for coming on. Shout out to Sydney Cloud and the Sydney Cloud Show. Thank you so much to One Bad Mofo, Joe Soto, for coming on the show, coming on the old program. Thanks to Max Lewis, of course, the MMA genius with a – you know what I'm talking about. And Daniel Santiago, who's one of my very, very good friends. Oh, they're all going to get podcasts one of these days. we got to figure it out. Uh, one podcast every two weeks. I don't think it's enough, especially with all the cool cats that are getting on the show. I think we can do a little bit better than that, but I think we're going to work on something special. Thank you to everybody that listens in. I mean, last, last podcast, we had like 3,000, like 400 listeners. That's incredible. We're talking to big names. Uh, all my bros, all my hoes in different area codes, thank you so much for listening to the Dreaming League podcast every fucking time we do a show. You guys are incredible. You guys are the rock stars. It's our honor to entertain you. We'll see you in two weeks. We'll have a very special guest, very special things to talk about, and we'll see you on the flip side. Go to DreamLeaguePro.com for all gear, all event tickets, all that fun stuff. I'll talk to you guys later. I'll catch you on the flip side. Have a nice 4th of July weekend. Stay safe out there. Good night. I'm David Potter. As always, thank you for tuning in. Dream Elite Radio. Like <laughs> <laughs>